I'm your inner dream monologue and you're fast asleep. So I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. A Long Island Republican Party leader says he has proof Congressman George Santos admitted to crimes in Brazil. Grant Lally, the Republican lawyer who runs the GOP-leaning The North Shore Leader, showed us documents from police in Brazil. Santos admitted to stealing and forging checks to purchase expensive clothing and shoes in 2008. Someone bought George Santos. The question is who bought him. The federal government should pick up the entire course what El Paso is going through and all of the other municipalities. And we need a real leadership moment from FEMA. This is a national crisis. We are not pointing the finger at El Paso. We're pointing the finger where it should be pointed, and that's our national government. This is a national problem. You need to work about taking on the federal government. You need some F-15s. You don't need an RAR-15. I'm serious. Think about it. So, you know, now I hear he might want to run against me, so we'll handle that the way I handle things. You turned me on. You lit me up. Like the sweetest cup I shall you. You lit me on. Don't you? Simple Minds, alive and kicking at 6.04 on your Tuesday morning. And welcome back to the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York City, the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. That's me, that's us. Sitting friends in the morning here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Simple Minds, alive and kicking. This is really my favorite Simple Minds song. I know, of course, they had that one major hit, Lou Rufino, that they used in uh, Breakfast Club. What was the uh, what was the name of that song again? Don't you forget about me. Right, but I like this one did. better. You have a preference, or you don't care? I don't care. I'm all about love. Yeah, that's what I'm about. I'm You're about all about love. I love it all. Okay, that's good to hear. Yeah, all right. You know that. You know all right. Me. All right. You love Tom Brady? I like Tom. I've always liked Tom Brady. Didn't you tell me you thought he was going to be a terrible football announcer? Yes, he's going to be terrible. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. No, you wait. No. He's going to be. He's going to be great. Oh, he's going to be awful. Yeah. Why is that? He doesn't know anything about football. He's, he's only won nice. eight championships. He doesn't have the charisma to Seven. be on the air. You don't need charisma to be a football analyst. Okay. You think Tony Romo was, I mean, he's good. He's got some charisma, but you don't need it. 
You got to be accurate. You have to have one. Well, know what Romo, you're talking well, Tony about. Tony Romo works with a great announcer. Jim That's Nance. Why. Yes. Well, they're going to put Tom Brady with somebody great. Yeah, they're going to have to. Okay. Well, the question then becomes, after last night's 31-14 loss to the Dallas Cowboys... Does Tom Brady play football next year, Lou Rufino, or is he in the booth at Fox? He plays football next year. He does? Jets? No, <laughs> yes, okay. It ain't going to sure. be Tampa Bay. No, not Maybe probably. the Jets? No. Yeah, sure. Why not? All right. So you what? think he, he plays again? I think he's going to play again. Yes. All right. The Elite Eight is all set now, folks. We're all set to go. Saturday night, of course, is the one we care most about. The Giants right now getting seven and a half in Philly against the Eagles. That's the late game Saturday, about an 8.30 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Before that, you get Jacksonville in Kansas City. Right now, the Chiefs are an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Your two games on Sunday. The first one's a great game, Bills and Bengals. That one in Buffalo, of course. Right now, the Bills are a four-point favorite. And then Sunday night, the 49ers, a four-point favorite over the Dallas Cowboys. But I've been a uh, giant fan for the better part of 46 years. Evidenced by my close relationships with guys like Bill Sims and Lawrence Taylor. And my partner today, and uh, twice a week now, I'm happy to announce, the great Andrew Giuliani. He grew up in a household with his father, Rudy, who I saw yesterday when I hosted John Katsimatini's show yesterday afternoon. Uh, A giant household as well. And Andrew likes to text me during the giant games, which I love. So, Andrew Giuliani, good morning. And secondly, how about those New York football giants? Well, Sid, it is great to be with you, Lou. Awesome to be with you this morning. Man, it is just awesome. What about Phil? Yeah, well, yeah, you know, it's uh, well, just excluding the, you know, sure. it's, my mom said, don't say anything bad about anything you didn't want to actually uh, talk about there. So it's one of the nicest things anyone's ever said about me. <laughs> exactly. Wait, did she say that, uh, Donna, recently, or this is in the past? In the were... past. I oh, couldn't even it. get it out, actually. That's what I feel about <laughs> Phil. I said, this is another, 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 another. Yeah. But, um, no, how about those football giants, Sid? I mean, looking absolutely awesome. I love that they're playing the best football of the season. If Hurts is uh, a little bit hurt, if you will, I-, I think the Giants have a great shot at winning the game in Philly. Um, I'm loving the way that they're playing. And Daniel Jones, I mean, this guy looks like literally, I'm, I'm getting carried away, but over the last month of the season, he looks like the best quarterback in the league. He could do it with his legs. He could do it with his arm. He's been great. Barkley scores two touchdowns. Last game, the defense got the stops when they needed. Didn't look great, but they looked. They had a high-powered offense. They were stopping. They stopped just Justin Jefferson, who was an absolute stud. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to Philly here coming up on Saturday night. Well, I think you're right about Daniel Jones and uh, today's New York Post. Eli Manning, who, of course, won two Super Bowls as the quarterback of the Giants. Very quick to, to say nice things about Daniel. Last week, of course, Giant legendary head coach Bill Parcells also won two Super Bowls. He uh, very quick to say nice things about their current head coach, Brian Dable. So some of the former Giant greats now chiming in about Daniel Jones and this team. And you're right. Look, the Giants lost twice to the Eagles this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, most recently, the last game of the regular season where the Giants used their third-string quarterback, Davis Webb. Yep. Eagles needed the game. Hurts is hurt, no question yep. about it. Giants gave more they can handle. And it reminded me of the last regular season game when the Giants beat an undefeated Patriot team in the yep. Super Bowl where the Giants played them very tough that last game. That gave the Giants the confidence in the big Super Bowl game, which they won very similar. And to your point, Andrew, you're exactly right. This is a time of year you want to be playing your best football, and outside of San Francisco, yeah. they've been amazing, and Brock Purdy's pretty good. Uh, I don't know a team in the NFL playing better right now than the Giants. Yeah, and I think anybody who would look at the course of the season, you obviously see that Philly has a talent advantage over the New York Giants. But look at the last month. Look at the level that the Giants are playing at. Look at where Philly, 
ever since Hertz got actually injured, they really are struggling in terms of putting it together. You can see the effect that he has on the rest of the offensive roster here. Uh, I think they've got an absolute great shot to pull the off, upset off in Philly. Uh, any Giant fan going down there, man, you got you have balls of steel because I've been to Philly a couple of different times for Giant games, and uh, I would probably go with an army, but you need to go with a section. You don't just go with like two or three guys. You go with a section when you're going down to Philly for a game, in my especially first, playoff. Yeah, in my first book, You're Wrong and You're Ugly, which you can still buy today. Of course, Citizens United is my in my new book, but You're Wrong and You're Ugly is now 13 years old, that book. But I did a whole section on the worst fans in the National Football League, and without any hesitation, it's the Philadelphia Eagles. Back in 2010 when I wrote the book, I believe they were still at Veterans Stadium. Yeah. Had a federal judge in a jail. <laughs> that 700 section was brutal. In one game, uh, and it's a very famous story, I told that WFAN time and time again, in a game where Randall Cunningham and the Eagles killed my Giants, yep. they turned my car over. They called my mom the C word. <laughs> it was such a disaster. I was nervous. They turned your car over. Yes. Yours. My dad's. Yeah. And I was really nervous. They were going to beat up me and my father. I, and I was really nervous. Yeah. But your father, I came here yesterday to host John Katzimatidi's show. <laughs> and your dad, Rudy, was walking out. And I got this wonderful phone call from your father on Sunday. And he said, Sid, I want you to come to my apartment and watch the Giant game. Yep. Problem was, I was coming into the city. Yep. So I couldn't do it. Uh, so he said maybe this Saturday night. We'll he wants a rain check, by the way. He was very. He was more disappointed to hear that you weren't going to be there than right. he was happy that I was coming. <laughs> so the only thing that helps is Grace came over. Grace made it all better. But, I mean, he missed you. He wants you. No, you know? I, I can tell. And he said maybe we'll do it again this Saturday. But he said, listen, I know Andrew was in tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Make sure Andrew tells the story about how <laughs> I took him to an Eagles game right after 9-11 and the way the faithful there traded, uh, treated me and my son. So... After September 11th, my father goes to Shea Stadium, gets round of applause. Everybody who'd been to him, uh, with him at Shea Stadium before that. Let me explain why that's booked. a big deal, because your father is Massive a Yankee, Yankee fan. fan. Massive right. Yankee so fan. So Met fans hate Yankee fans, but they loved your father so much for his heroism yeah. that they found a way to love him that day. Exactly. He even goes up to Fenway Park and got a standing ovation in October in Fenway Park. That's how much... He was beloved there. So he's getting standing ovations everywhere. We go down for a late December game, the Giants versus the Eagles. Whoever wins, wins the NFC East. Whoever loses, they're playing golf for the rest of the year. So the Giants have a seven-point lead with about three minutes to go. They blow the lead. The Giants actually, Ron Dixon almost runs runs it back to about the three-yard line, but the time expires. Giants lose. Their season goes over. Philly ends up going on to win. So we're walking out of the old vet, and there's a guy who's stumbling there, obviously, had way too many. And he looks, and he says, Rudy, and now I've got to ad-lib a little bit here because I can't say exactly what he said. You and your effing, you know what, effing son, (laughs) get the F out of Philly. We don't effing want you here. Come on. So I looked at Dad, and, you know, I had seen his ego grow a little bit from all the round of applause at Fenway Park at Chase Stadium. I put my arm around him. I said, it's good to have you back. (laughs) (laughs) That's your ego, That's Philly. That's that's Philly. That's right. They are the worst fans in the country, and uh, we got a big one coming up on Saturday night. All right, let's get to some of the news of the day. Your former boss, who I'm hearing is still set to join me on Thursday. I haven't mentioned it the last couple of days. I'm looking because, forward to that, too, by the way. To well, hearing you too. Oh, yeah, but good. I know you know Steve Chung, mm-hmm. and uh, he's impossible. Yeah. I'm saying this on the air. I just don't care. I, you know, I was told to text him yep. by uh, Joe Tacopino, Kimberly Gilpoil. Tacopino was at Mar-a-Lago last week, mm-hmm. and he's set to represent the president on a couple of different items. And Donald Trump said to Tac, Tac said, you know, I'm friends with Sid for 42 years. Yep. He's my dearest friend. 
and no one is a bigger supporter, yep. and nobody has a bigger show, nobody, not even close, in New York than Sid. Yep. Will you go on? And Trump's like, of course, I'd love to do it. Steve, take care of it, blah, blah, blah. Boris Epstein, take care of yep. it. Now it's eight days later. I've texted Steve five times. He texted me back once on Friday. Let me check the president's schedule. Yeah. Working on Thursday, 8.05, and now he's gone completely dark. Yeah. So I have no idea what's going to happen on Thursday, but either well, I'll way. Text, I'll text Boris for you. I'll text Boris at the break and make him. sure. We'll, we'll get him in there. Takapina's texting Boris as well. Yeah. So, and Boris said it's going to happen. Yeah. So it's just a matter of Boris and Chung making this happen on Thursday. But either way, thank you for, for saying that, Andrew. Uh, Trump did an interview on the water cooler with David Brody. Mm-hmm. And he was talking yesterday about the possibility of Ron DeSantis running for president. And uh, let's play this, Lou Ruffino. This is Donald Trump number four. I want Andrew's take. He has done this once before. And I'd be very quick to tell Trump, this is not a good idea. I'm sorry. I love Trump, but I'm not afraid to criticize Donald Trump. Yeah. This is not a good idea. I want your thoughts. Donald Trump Lewis, number four. These were unbelievable. And he ended up beating Gillum. And most people thought he couldn't do that. But I, I thought he could. So... Uh, I got him elected, pure and simple. He would have never, if I if I said I wasn't going to endorse you, uh, and I was close, you know, there was no reason to go wild about endorsing him. So, you know, now I hear he might want to run against me, so we'll handle that the way I handle things. Okay, so, you know, when Don Imus gave me my position, mm-hmm. for many years I thanked Imus. Yep. Without him, I wouldn't have a job. Right. Years and years later, it was clear I had the talent, mm-hmm. at the very end more than him, to do my own show. Right. So I stopped praying at the author of Don Imus. Mm-hmm. He was there initially, but if you've got the talent, then it becomes about you. Yeah. Same thing here. Donald Trump, yes. Without him, Ron DeSantis never wins. Mm-hmm. But DeSantis has shown over the last couple of years mm-hmm. he's probably the best governor in the country. Yeah. Doesn't mean he'll be a great president, right. but he's proven to be a great governor at some point. Donald Trump has to stop Mm -hmm. expecting people to thank him every single day and live their own lives. And look, Trump is right. I mean, he ended up actually, really, the endorsement pushed him over the edge in a very close Republican primary. Years ago, you're right. I think the better tact for Trump on this would almost be like a head coach who looked at one of his coordinators who ended up moving on to a head coaching position who's had success and sees, you see, I make the right picks. I pick this guy. This guy has done a great job. This is why I have an eye for it. So I wish he would actually look at some of what DeSantis has done and say, he's done this well. He's done this well. That's why I chose the guy. That's why I have an eye for this. This is why I should be president again. I think it's a better tact. I think it actually would... Uh, resonate better with Republican primary voters. And I think you're right. I think people are sick and tired of hearing DeSantis getting criticized or criticizing other Republicans and all this. But we know this is what's going to happen over the next year and a half. We know that this is exact. This is it's going to make for unbelievable television, unbelievable radio over the next couple of years. And I think it'd be a great question to ask him come Thursday if you get the opportunity. Ask him what? Ask him whether he's thought to have a little bit of a different tact when it comes to DeSantis. He's just one day away from from blasting him. Well, not blasting him, but threatening him. Yeah. I I wonder, though, if that thought has ever come into his mind, to look at it from that perspective, rather than actually try to undercut him there. Right? It's different than what happened with Jeb. It's different than Marco. He was never a part of Jeb. He was never a part of Marco. He was never a part of Ted Cruz in 2016. But... 
Trump actually endorsed and is a big reason why DeSantis ended up getting the nomination in 2018 and winning that race. So you can say that his endorsement actually is one of the reasons why DeSantis is not a member of Congress, but why he's governor. I think he should actually look at that and say, you know what, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of the job that he's done. I've made this call, and that's why I have the chops to be president again. That's my buddy Andrew Giuliani. He's going to sit in today. He'll be back on Friday as well. I've decided to add Andrew to the Sid and Friends staff for a it couple of honor. days. No, stop it. It's not enough for me to have you here. And we got a great show coming up in terms of guests as well. Coming up at 740, follows me every morning here on WABC at 10 o'clock. Also part of that Fox and Friends crew and One Nation on Saturday nights. My friend Brian Kilmeade, 805 Judge Janine Pirro. Coming up at 840, New York Post columnist Michael Goodwin. And then we'll talk economy at 905 with, yes, Larry Kudlow. He is back. The number is always one 800 848 WABC, 1-800-848-9222. It's me, Sid Rosenberg, Andrew Giuliani, and the whole crew on a Tuesday morning right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Chicago for you. Early on this uh, Tuesday morning, Boris Epstein getting right back to Andrew, like he does with Takapina, same thing, but nice doesn't mean much. It would have been better if he said, it's all ready to go, it's all set up, but thank you, Boris. So, talking about <laughs> Boris Epstein and Steve Chung and Donald Trump, this was uh, given to me by Justin Ellick, and it reads, Andrew, Trump claims radical left thugs declared open season on once revered lawyers like Giuliani says in a Saturday Truth Social tirade, Donald Trump lamented the reverence people apparently had for lawyers. In multiple posts, Trump referenced former lawyers Michael Cohen, now a convicted felon, and Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> the former president appears to hold no positive feelings towards Cohen, but was complimentary of Giuliani, one of his strongest allies, when it comes to 2020 presidential election fraud conspiracy theories. Now, your dad was on last Friday with me. Mm-hmm. He'll be on again with you and I this Friday. Yeah. And he said, Sid, I actually had a long talk with the president about two weeks ago, yeah. hours, 
and he felt like things were going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You can talk about that. Yeah, I think, uh, and I wasn't in there for the meeting, so I've always, always, I've heard this all secondhand from my father. But uh, look, over the last couple of years since uh, Trump left the presidency, right? President Trump has been down in Florida. My father's been in New York. They haven't had as much time to talk. They talk occasionally, but it's quickly. At events, this or that, you talk for a couple minutes. They actually had the opportunity to sit down for a few hours, I think on multiple occasions, actually, and go through a couple of different things from campaign strategy, some of the stuff that was going on with the lawsuits. And I don't want to get too deep into that because I know there's some still stuff ongoing there. Generally, when you mention Michael Cohen and Rudy Giuliani together, that wouldn't be a good thing. But I think that was the juxtaposition that Trump was making. We all know how his mind works on all this. Um, But look, Trump was absolutely right on this. They have absolutely gone after so many lawyers. I remember... The Philly case, the the Pennsylvania case, right after the election that Trump was trying to make, they actually not only doxed Trump's Pennsylvania lawyers, they doxed where their three, third grade and fifth grade kids went to school. So that way they'd prevent other lawyers from actually working with the sitting president of the United States. So when he said radical left thugs, that's what he means by all this. Uh, I, I think that Trump absolutely nailed this in terms of his statement. All right, now, also two fathers ago when your dad was on, we talked about Mayor Eric Adams. And I said, you know, Rudy, I have this conversation all the time. Mm-hmm. Folks are like, Giuliani cleaned up the city. Right. Why can't Adams? And I asked your father, I said, who do you think had a tougher job? Day one, Woody Giuliani, or day one, Adams? And your father, in very honest fashion, said, Adams. He said, he's a lot he has to deal with right. that I did not have to deal with. And I said, well, let me ask you this. There's a lot of folks out there already willing to say Adams is a failure. Right. That is beyond stupid. Mm-hmm. He has served one quarter of a four-year term. That would be like saying the guy's season is over in baseball after 40 games. He's got a long way to go. Now, if the city is exactly the way it is now in two or three years, you can make that comment. I said, Rudy, is it too early to make that comment? And he said, 100% it is. I said, let me ask you this. Do you think Adams then is the right guy or could be the right guy to get us out of it. Mm-hmm. And he said, maybe. Point being that your father, who's on record being very critical, Eric Adams, yep. in this conversation, wasn't at all. Yeah, I would say the first quarter of his mayoralhood was a failure, right? I mean, he came out with and saying a lot of the right things, but I'm a big fan of action, right? Think about a, a coach who actually goes into the press conferences and says, we want to do this, we want to do this, we want to do this, and all of a sudden you look and the scoreboard's, 34 nothing the other team, and that's the okay, problem. But how about this? What if that coach took over a bad football team yeah. Okay, that was getting killed year in and year out, and all of a sudden they were 1-7, but but they weren't losing 34 nothing. They were losing the 31-28. So that's progress, right. right? The record is still bad. They're still losing, but you're starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel. But where where is the progress? And that's the question well, that I look, ask murders, outside of Murders it. are down. Murders shootings are down. are down. Okay. Okay. Um, subway Violent crime, crime is, down. is up twenty five percent, and that's a problem. So uh, what I I want to actually see the results, right? He gives a good press conference, and honestly, if Mayor he Adams, does. if Mayor Adams actually follows through on what he would say during his press conference, then guess what? He would be a good mayor. He would actually be what what he said down at the southern border two days ago is right. New York City can't handle it, and it is a national problem. He didn't point at the governor of Texas; he pointed right at Washington D.C. 
I want to see him actually follow through yeah. on his press conferences, on what he says, on his charm, right? You've yeah. seen his charm face-to-face right there. He is a charming guy. There's no doubt about it. I bet you if I sat across or if my father sat across from him, they would probably like each other. The problem is, aside from murders being down, which is a big one, there's no doubt about that. Aside from murders being down, we have a migrant crisis now in New York that we didn't have before. We have well, that's not Eric Adams' fault. What's that? That's Joe Biden's fault. But, not Eric Adams. But, but I would also say that if Eric Adams actually went down to the southern border in August, he might have been able to find a way to curb the solution earlier. Well, two things: he has called out the federal government, mm-hmm. and I'll be critical of Eric right now. I yep. would like for him to call out specifically Joe Biden. Right. And secondly, yes, he didn't go five months ago, mm-hmm. but he did go this weekend. Too little, too late for you, or are you still happy the mayor went? No, I'm glad that he went. Is it is it a little too late? I hope it's not too late, but it's later than I would have done this, and I know that certainly later than a Mayor Giuliani would have done this. Mayor Giuliani would have done this before this would have even hit the press. It Agreed. took five or six months in order for Eric Adams to do this, and so he basically looked at some polling and said, ah, this is this is an issue that I really should go and tackle. He saw Biden went down there, so Biden actually set the stage on that. If I were Adams, I would have gone down there first and foremost, but he actually had Biden go down there first. I do like that he's calling out Biden with this, but where's the solution? I want to see the solution, and I think Adams has to be a big part of this because New York is such a center of our lexicon, even when you're talking about a crisis that's on the southern border here. So for me... Eric Adams says a lot of the right things. He'll say a lot of the right things at dinner. He'll say a lot of the right things in a press conference. Show me the action. That's what I want to see. His first year was not good as mayor. Does it mean that the next three years are bad? No. One of the other problems that I think he has right now, and I think he had this leverage in his first year, which he might not have in the other three years, he had a governor that was running for reelection. He could have used his leverage to say, I am doing everything I can to repeal bail reform, to make sure I get the changes that I want, and holding my endorsement of the governor to say, you know what, if you don't push this in Albany, then guess what? I may not endorse, I may endorse the Republican Lee Zeldin. He didn't do that. He folded up very quickly, and I think that shows that he wants to be agreeable in many ways, instead of actually well, saying, you know what, I want to actually go and get this done. And guess what? It's going to have to take cracking a couple eggs to do the right it's, stuff. It's not that easy. There is, and you it's know not. this, there's a lot of nuance. Yeah. Eric Adams, we all agree crime is the biggest issue. Mm-hmm. We know that. Criminal bail reform, that, that's number one. But Eric Adams goes to Albany, as you know, as your father yeah. did, for a lot of things and needs a lot of money for a lot of things. If he holds back the endorsement, if he blows up Stewart Cousins, if he blows up Heasty, the next time he needs money for education or for something else, they're going to go tell him to, 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 to pound salt. But, so he's got to be careful in that, yes, he, need, he doesn't have the authority to get that done. So if he yells and screams really loud and makes it him against them, then all these other issues in New York are not going to get better because they're going to shut the door right in his face. Well, they haven't gotten better by him taking the action that he's taken so far, which is looking the other way on this and saying, you know what, there are other issues. At some point, you have to make a stand on your most important issue. And you've said, he said, this is the most important issue. I think it's going to judge whether or not he's successful as mayor, if he can get that violent crime rate down. So for me, it's a matter of saying, you know what, yes, education funding matters on all this, but that's where you use ultimately what I think is uh, really the popular ideas on this and going to constituents of Hasty, go to the constituents of Stuart Cousins, of all these other members of the Assembly and the State Senate that are opposing you in all this, and say, guess what? Your State Senator, your Assemblyman, is ultimately preventing me from doing my job as mayor. I think in February when he went up to Albany last year, he should have been tough on them. And guess what? 
They might have walked out of there saying, Adams, he's an SOB. I don't really. Because I'll tell you what. There were a bunch of people that walked out of meetings with Rudy Giuliani who didn't say, oh, I love Rudy Giuliani. They walked out and said, ah, oh, that guy, he's, I can't stand that guy. But guess what? He got the job done for the 8.5 million New Yorkers. I don't know if Eric Adams is getting the job done yet. Can he still? I believe he can. But the first year, unfortunately, has been a failure. All the right, first Andrew. year. All right. Traffic is uh, coming up next. Right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Today's minicast is from my dear friend, our dear friend, John Katsimatidis, Cats at Night. Here he's talking with John Solomon about the CDC confirming a possible link to strokes and blood clots due to COVID vaccines. So the question we're going to ask our doctors now in the future is, what do we do to help mitigate that? Yeah, listen, I think we've always had the idea that in science and in medicine, informed consent is important, and you can't have informed consent if you don't have the information to make that consent. There's been a lot of difficulty in getting information out about how the vaccines were produced, what sort of uh, signals or safety data there is. Um, If it isn't from the vaccine, they need to help us understand why this rash and and get us educated. And if it is the vaccine, they got to make some mitigation. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at info at gabolaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi. Little Def Leppard for you. Photograph 643 on your Tuesday morning back on Sitting Friends in the Morning. I do want to wish one of our real passionate listeners up there at the Icebox in the Bronx, Kelly Baumeister de Geralamo, a very happy birthday. Happy birthday to you, Kelly. So today begins day three for the Rosenbergs 
in New York City ever since uh, we had to leave the house in uh, in Rockaway. Five months of construction about to start. So we're going to spend about a month, you know this already, in a hotel not far from the studios and then probably about four months in a two-bedroom apartment somewhere between Battery Park and Midtown. And the one thing I have to tell you I really miss, my wife Danielle, my beautiful wife, happens to be a really good cook. I mean really good. And she spends time making dinner just about four or five days a week. Well, there's no kitchen in my hotel room, or Gabe's for that matter. We've got two rooms adjoining. So we have to go out for every meal, breakfast, lunch. So there's a diner not far from my (laughs) hotel, the Murray Hill Diner. Very good. 80 bucks, you know, grilled cheese and fries, (laughs) burger, 80 bucks. Ridiculous, you know. But the food's fine. So we went there for lunch yesterday, me and Gabe, and went back for dinner. And I'm sitting there going, Gaby, do you miss mommy's cooking? He's like, yeah, I really do, because he had salmon. And it was fine. But she makes a really nice, crispy, you know, crusty salmon. Yeah. And, um, you know, you start to realize when you're not home, it sounds cool. I'm in a hotel. Somebody's making my bed every day. It gets old quick. Real quick. Yeah. I got a sports bar right downstairs. Really popular, by the way, Andrew. Really mm-hmm. popular. The games on Saturday and Sunday, it was packed. Yeah. And I sat there in my PJs, mm-hmm. literally went down to my PJs because I live right upstairs mm-hmm. and watch the games. But it gets old really, really yeah. quick, man. I miss my house. I miss the privacy. I miss my neighbors, Billy and Jackie Felton, Joe and Maria Ferrante, Joe Murray, all my neighbors, and Breezy and Rockaway. And the city's cool. It's convenient. I know you live here. Yeah. But I left the city for a reason. Yeah. And now that I'm back... I kind of know why. Well, you I'm the, sorry. Yeah, you miss the you miss the community, right? I mean, that's I one of the things you've yeah. fallen in love with. And out the quiet. There. I mean, absolutely. I I, I forgot yeah. living on the Upper West Side. There wasn't one night, yeah. not one. I didn't hear a siren, <laughs> an ambulance, a cop. When I go to sleep in Rockaway, I can hear somebody fart in Brooklyn. That's how quiet it is. Lou, is that you? That was Lou. Okay. No, he actually so lives right. Me. He actually lives right by me in I Rockaway. I know. I know. Yeah. He doesn't live too far away. And now I'm back in the city two nights and all night long, and I'm in a nice neighborhood. Yeah. Park Avenue, sirens, garbage trucks, people yelling outside my window. I'm like. This is why I left. You see, I think I'd be like Joe Pesci and my cousin Vinny, where I'd need the sirens to go to sleep. It's been so long right, where I've been right, in New York City. Right. So how long did it take you to get used to the quiet? At first, was there, or were you immediately just like, I love this quiet? It took this me is what about I uh, 15 minutes. About 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is, good. This is for me. So anyway, uh, Joe Biden spoke yesterday, MLK, and uh, I hosted John Cho last night, mm-hmm. Katz Matidis. And they've got Bill O'Reilly on every Monday. He's on with us every Thursday. And O'Reilly came on and right away talked about a very dark and divisive Joe Biden. Yeah. Calling the Republicans demented, mm-hmm. wokeism, just just a very negative speech yeah. on a day where you're supposed to be paying tribute to a wonderful man. Mm-hmm. And it took me back to not that long ago when Biden made that other speech. Yeah. You remember? Yep, with the red in the background yes. where it looked like, uh, I don't Satan. know. Yeah, it was like Satan. It was terrible. This guy is not capable of delivering a speech that is all about unity despite using that word time and time again. Yeah, and uh, I mean the media painted him as the one guy who could really unite the country because he was a central Democrat. Remember that? Remember that narrative that came through? Uh, And even – 
I mean, to go back to uh, your buddy, Eric Adams, he said he was the Biden of Brooklyn here. I mean, uh, if he's the he's Biden not going to say that again. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. I told but, him. But, I mean, he was he was pounding his chest on that one there. Um, no, he continues to double down on this and vilifying Republicans. That's his answer. And I think, honestly, he's been emboldened by these midterms, by the fact that Democrats ended up winning the Senate. Uh, and that the losses were not as bad in the House as he thought they were. I think Biden thinks he's on to something here. So I think for the next two years, you're going to hear a double down of that yeah, from Biden, yeah. where he's going to basically, they're going to ask, how was your breakfast? And he's going to say MAGA Republicans are bad. <laughs> that's that's going to be his answer to everything. But you're right. That day did not go well. Again, the House, slim yep. margin. They kept the Senate. Yep. And all those big gubernatorial races, mm-hmm. Michigan, yep. New York, we didn't win any of them. Yeah. Pennsylvania was a complete joke. Right. So it was a victory that day for Joe Biden, not Donald Trump, and, and I not think the GOP. I think it will embolden him. I so think I. that's why he'll continue to go with this tact. They saw the tact, and he thinks it's going to work. I don't necessarily know if that's the reason why they won, why you know yeah. Republicans did not win as big that day, if you will, in the House and lost the Senate. But I think Biden and his uh, experts, if you will, and I'm putting that in air quotes, uh, believe that's actually the right tact. One of the things that I do almost every Thursday, Drew, with O'Reilly, we go back and forth about, and this goes back to the Bernie days, yeah, about the president. And time and time again, Bill O'Reilly talks about apathy. Mm-hmm. This guy's not completely there. He's mm-hmm. losing his mind. And I'm like, let me tell you something. I have less apathy and more disdain because mm-hmm. I do believe he's evil. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing a lot of the time. And he knows he's destroying this country. He doesn't care. Yeah. Finally, yesterday... On the Cats at Night show, Mm -hmm. O'Reilly said, and I quote, I'm starting to really dislike this guy. And I said, welcome to the party. And and now it's not just about, although we had another moment yesterday where if you do have apathy for Joe Biden, he did it again. He was trying to wish, he was trying to wish (laughs) Ketanji Brown Jackson, the newest member of the Supreme Court, a happy birthday. Is she a man or a woman, by the way? <laughs> She's a woman. Okay, because she can't define that. That's why you're I'm right, asking. You're right. She doesn't know. That's what was the issue with him trying to wish her a happy birthday, Andrew? Uh, I think he got the name wrong, That's right? exactly right. Let's play this. This is number seven. Once again, MLK event. Biden trying to sing happy birthday to Katanji Brown Jackson. Listen to this for hunger abortion. Well, look, my wife has a rule in her family. On somebody's birthday, sing happy birthday. You ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Valvin. Happy birthday. Did he say happy birthday, Valva? Right there. Wow. I think he said Valva right there. I don't know. Well, here's one more. Here's. Here's. This is apathy, not disdain. This is Joe Biden, number nine, Lewis. Those are the words of Kajan, Kajan, Katanji Brown Jackson, our Supreme Court Justice. (laughs) Kajana Carter, the former running back for Penn State and the Cincinnati Bengals. So if you missed it one more time, Joe Biden singing happy birthday. Then he tries later to say her name. These are cuts number seven and nine. Listen carefully. Well, look, my wife has a rule in her family. On somebody's birthday, sing happy birthday. You ready? Really shut happy the hell up. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Okay. 
good. Happy birthday, dear Valen. Valen. Happy birthday to you. And number nine. Those are the words of Kajan, Kajan, Katanji Drown Jackson. Wow. All right. Our Supreme Court Justice. Oh, my God. Well, well, what do you say about that, Joe? Well, happy birthday, Valva, I guess. That's all you can say about that. You know when he starts to sing, you you can feel impending doom. Oh, you know it. You know it's coming. That's what happens. You just know it. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Still to come, Brian Kilmeade, Judge Janine Pirro, Michael Goodwin, Larry Kudlow, Sid Rosenberg, Andrew Giuliani, and the whole crew. It's Sid and Friends on a Tuesday morning with Def Leppard, only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's Cowboys legend Emmitt Smith, and this is See It in the Morning. Let me do that again. Hi, it's Cowboys legend Emmitt Smith, and this is See It and Friends in the Morning on 77 WABC. Oh, and by the way, I am way more famous than Sid. This was the first song I ever did karaoke. I used to go to a place in Cheapside Bay, Captain Walters, Emmons Avenue. Every Thursday night, all the good-looking Jews and Italians went there. How'd and you they get had, uh, Did you go? No, I said, how'd you get in? <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> but I always do uh, Frank Sinatra, The Summer Wind. But the first song I ever did was Hotel California by the Eagles. and It was awful. But it's a, a great song. And Emmett Smith was in studio last week promoting Bounty. Him and Rob Gronkowski leading up to Super Bowl 57, again down to the Elite Eight in the National Football League. And uh, he made the point at the end of that conversation, he's more famous than me. For some reason, Chris uh, Libertini, who's in charge of all the sound at the station, he's a very talented guy. He's uh, caught up in the Sid Famous thing. And he wants everybody who comes on this show to state whether or not they're more famous than I am. And only a few people are. Your father's more famous than me. Yeah, probably. Maybe more also infamous, infamous. Yeah, absolutely. More yeah. infamous, too. I am, too, yes. Uh, <laughs> Emmett is more famous. Uh, Donald, if he comes on Thursday, is more famous. 
Who else is uh, more famous than does, you? Does Chris have a... Well, O'Reilly. O'Reilly O'Reilly's is more O'Reilly's. famous. O'Reilly is more famous than yeah. you. Christopher Mad Dog Russo, more famous. Yeah. Francesa, more famous. Now, here's a question. Is Phil Simms currently more famous than you are? No. At one point, yes. No, but not, now, no. I don't yeah. know. I feel like the famous yeah. meters are moving. You're going up. Phil's coming down <laughs> a little bit. And I love I love Phil Simms. So do I. But yeah. in the NFL today, I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, I, I did watch it last Sunday. Because I like the back and forth between Phil and Boomer. Yep. It's but it is, uh, those shows are, are horrible television. Well, Every one of them. How many more times can you break it down? Oh. Not this and that. We all know what's going on. Oh, we they, know they what's going to happen. They did one thing on Channel 5 on Fox. Yeah. So they had like nine guys out there. Jay Glazer, Terry Bradshaw, Jimmy Johnson, Michael Strahan, even Sean Payton. Yeah. Who may be a coach in the NFL next year. And they're running a play. Yeah. Terry's like 80 years old. He's got cancer. God bless him. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. It looks so stupid. Why do they do that, Andrew? Why? Uh, I don't know. I'm not making the production calls there. And if I was, and I'd say Michael Strahan would probably decapitate Terry Bradshaw. Yes. And it probably looks that way, too. So I don't know. I mean, considering the uh, other half of... Franco Harris ended up just passing away, and you got yeah. Terry Bradshaw now yeah. still going for another yeah. immaculate reception. I don't know. Strahan still know. looks good. Uh, how we long is there as well? There is some NFL news. Jim Harbaugh, after Michigan lost to TCU college football a couple of weeks ago, rumored to be leaving the Wolverines. He did talk to the Carolina Panthers and the Denver Broncos, but yesterday Jim Harbaugh decided to stay at Michigan Another year of Michigan Wolverine football for Jim Harbaugh. He needs to get a BCS victory. That's what he needs. Badly. Getting crushed in the BCS every right. time he gets to the semis. He did crushed. beat Ohio State the last two years, which is huge for Michigan. Absolutely. Huge. But you're right. He needs to win one of these games. Sean Payton will coach in the NFL probably next year. A lot of clubs interested in him. Right now there are five teams in the NFL looking for a head coach. Hour number one in the books. We'll come back. Hour number two, which will include... Bill O'Reilly's morning message and a conversation between me and Brian Kilmeade, plus the great Andrew Giuliani. Stay tuned. Hour two of Sitting Friends on a Tuesday, coming right back. This is Sitting Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? 77 WABC. George Santos running against Tom Swazi in that third congressional district coming up next Tuesday. Hey, you know, it's funny, George, you go right to the heart here of me, Sid and Bernie. At the very end of your biography, it says, in his spare time, George Anthony enjoys volleyball and tennis. Let me tell you why that's funny. You're on this show. Bernie's daughter, Melanie, was a star volleyball player in college, and my daughter, Ava, as we speak, is working on a tennis scholarship when she goes to college. So the two sports that you seem to enjoy on the weekends are the same two sports our two daughters excel in. You know, it's funny. I actually went to school on a, on a volleyball scholarship. I, you did? I, uh, I did, yeah. Um, when I was in Baruch, we were the number one volleyball Did you graduate team, from Baruch? Uh, did you graduate from there? Yeah. So did I. I did. I did. So did I. Oh, very cool. So, great school. Great institution. Very yes. liberal, but very good Very good professors who don't show their bias, which is which is very uh, interesting. But that's a whole other conversation. But it's funny that we went, to, we went to, to play against Harvard, Yale, and we slay them. <laughs> we slay them. We were champions across the entire Northeast corridor, every school that came up against us. They were shaking at the time. And it's funny. I was the smallest guy, and I'm 6'2". 
we had on our block, on our on our uh, on our block alone, there were six, seven, six, eight. These guys weren't jumping; they were just stretching their arms up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were we were animal. All of us should have been playing basketball, but we chose volleyball because it was easier. <laughs> so it was a it was a great time. Uh, I look, I sacrificed both my knees and got very nice knee replacements uh, knee replacements from oh, wow. HSS playing volleyball. That's how serious I took the game. That interview is still going viral. Now nearly 3 million views. 3 million. Everybody from my friend Dave Portnoy at Barstool Sports, you name it, has uh, retweeted and commented on that conversation with uh, George Santos had with me and my late great partner, Bernard McGurk. I'm coming to you live this morning from the Bernard McGurk Studios. And uh, you heard me talking to him about volleyball and Baruch and all the things he lied about there. Bernie was in that conversation as well. But that was all the way back in 2020 when Santos originally, we thought, won Mm -hmm. his race. They took it away from him. Then he came back in 22 when he did win. But somebody unearthed that interview from three years ago. Somebody named Patriot Takes on Twitter. And it's gone berserk over the last couple of days. Even Joe and Mika had it on yesterday on MSNBC yesterday morning. Of course, they did not put my name up. All it said was George Host. George Host. They never give me credit. But uh, long story short, the George Santos thing is still a story. Now, people like Judge Janine, for example, Mm -hmm. she'll join us at 8.05. She's like, leave it alone. Mm -hmm. As bad, as embarrassing as he is, he's a Republican. The last thing we need is a special election, Mm -hmm. and then we lose that seat to a Democrat. So is he crazy? Yes. Is he a liar? Yes. But we need that seat. Andrew Giuliani, what do you think? Well, we need the seat, but I think here's the thing that we're probably missing on this. Uh, By Republicans calling out George Santos, it's not going to shame this guy. You heard that interview. There's nothing going to shame this guy. He's beyond shaming. By the way, George, and I was at different events with George throughout the campaign cycle. He's about 275. He's not (laughs) jumping anywhere. I mean, the guy's got a better chance of being a backup left guard for, I mean, probably wouldn't be too good at that. But uh, here's the thing. You're not going to shame him. So I think Republicans in some ways look a little hypocritical if we don't call out the obvious lie after lie after lie that George Santos tells. And then we want to look at the Dick Blumenthal's of the world, at the Elon Omar's of the world who married her brother. I mean, and we're going to call that out. So for me, I'd much rather see the consistency of all this stuff. Santos is not going anywhere until he gets indicted, unless until probably more until he gets indicted, because the seven hundred thousand dollars that he donated to himself, he's going to have to explain where he got that money. And I think the feds are going to be looking very closely at that. And I think they're get, that's where they're going to really circle the wagons on him. Lee Zeldin was on the show last week and I said, Lee, at one point we discussed him being the RNC chair, but mm-hmm. Ronald McDaniel's not going anywhere. Uh, then we talked about uh, two or three other positions, um, including Speaker of the House, because yep. people out there don't realize you don't have to be a acting member of Congress yep. to hold that position. So when Kevin McCarthy was getting no, no, no every day, yeah. I mentioned Lee, which Miranda Devine did a month ago. Mm-hmm. And then came this discussion. Lee, what about taking over? York 3. For George Santos, yes. And he didn't say no. He didn't say yes 
He wasn't overly enthusiastic. I know Brian Kilmeade will have Lee Zeldin on his show today talking about that. I've already done it. Thank you, mm-hmm. Brian. Uh, but <laughs> Lee wasn't overly enthusiastic one way or the other. But that's a pretty good uh, choice. I think that Zeldin's the only guy that can win that race, considering the stink of Santos. I think any the other Republican. That's no, true. The stink of Santos, because you have a lot of Democrats that came across the aisle and voted Republican this time around because they were so sick of what the Democratic Party had been doing, not just in New York, but in all of Nassau County. And Lee Zeldin is one of the reasons, because he was the top of that ticket, that you had so many Dem- Democrats or independents that voted Republican, probably not even knowing who George Santos was. They just knew that he was going to be a rubber stamp Republican vote. So I think Zeldin has a real chance to win that seat. But what Zeldin has to measure now is, do I get in a tough race? Because that's still going to be a very tough race for yeah. him that probably Swazi gets back in, who has the name recognition. You'll still have a little bit of the stink of Santos there. Or do I look at Suffolk County Executive, which is probably a much more winnable race for him? Mm. Uh, and does he do that? Where he also can stay in the same house that he lived in. He has to travel down to D.C., which I know, you know, when you have 15, 16, 17-year-old kids like Zeldin has, uh, wears on you time and time again. He did eight years going up to Albany, eight years going down to Washington, D.C. Uh, so he has to make a decision on whether or not it's a more winnable race, that Suffolk County Executive, which is probably a more winnable race, or New York 3, which I think Zeldin could win, but I think it's a tough race for him to win. I still would make him the favorite, but it's probably a 55-45 favorite. A year ago at this time, you were running against Lee Zeldin. Yep. And uh, does it feel like a long, long time ago? You know, it's one of those things where the days feel long, but the year feels short. It's tough to believe that it's been like that. I was looking at Grace the other day, who's 13 and a half months now, and just thinking that, uh, you know, a year ago, she was just laying down. She couldn't sit up, and now she's walking all over the place. We're trying to make sure she doesn't put this in her mouth and put that in her mouth. She picks up there. Uh, So the governor's race, it feels, uh, in some days, it feels like it's yesterday. Other days, it feels like it's years ago. Yeah. Um, You miss it. You miss, you know, the, the daily competition getting out in the street, meeting all these people. Again, I'll never forget yeah. my anniversary, that yeah. Saturday morning. Danielle and I celebrating 30 years, and uh, there's Andrew Giuliani on 129th Street in Rockaway, mm-hmm. going into the pharmacy, going into the bar, just doing your yeah. thing. Do you miss that? I love talking to people, so I think in some ways, yes, but uh, but I figured out of the ways to actually continue to try to feel that. But there is a missing part of that adrenaline, right? And I think it's one of the things that athletes, when they retire, talk about. Not that I've retired or anything like that, but it's the same feeling that you feel probably at 5.59 and 59 yeah. seconds, that <laughs> adrenaline that you get every single morning. It's I still the same do. Thing. I still do. I, I can tell you, the adrenaline you felt before all the debates, before a big speech, before addressing... Uh, the convention, the New York State Convention, it's a great feeling there. And then when you can succeed knowing that you felt that pressure, because there's nobody that puts more pressure on you than yourself, uh, it is a, it's a great feeling. So that's one of the things that you miss a little bit. Um, but uh, I will say, you know, coming in here, talking in the morning, it, it certainly allows me to feel a little bit of that adrenaline. And watching the Giants in a playoff game gives me a little adrenaline rush, too. So just it turns bit. out that Howard Stern was just talking about me. Uh, you know, I have a lot of folks that listen to Howard and me. Yeah. Marianne from Brooklyn, High Pitch Eric, and they both contacted me. So last week, last Thursday, was Howard Stern's birthday. Yep. The same day it happened to be Rush Limbaugh's birthday. Really? Yes. And Howard is off on Thursdays and Fridays. Mm-hmm. But I had Bill O'Reilly on, mm-hmm. and I asked Bill his thoughts on two legends, yep. Rush Limbaugh and Howard Stern, 
And I knew that if Arwadi talked about Howard Stern, I can send the audio to Baba Bowie, Gary yeah. Delabate, and I knew Howard would play it. Yeah. So I'm being told from a bunch of sources, oh, Phil, you got to get this now, that Howard is currently talking about me and uh, Bill O'Reilly. Uh, and Bill O'Reilly said nice things about Howard. He said he's not the same guy he was. We kind of lost him. He's Hollywood now. But he agreed that he's still the greatest talk show host, which is which is not even up for debate. He's by far the greatest ever. It's not even close. But he did agree with that, Bill O'Reilly, so he didn't kill Stern. Yeah. But I'm curious to hear how Howard Stern is talking about me and O'Reilly. So, Phil, can you get that? Can you do that? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> how come when I ask Phil's you to showing do... his value again. I know. I don't, why time. is it when I ask you to do stuff, you never just say yes? Why is it always... Well, I don't want to lie to you. I don't want to have, like, you know... If you have low expectations, you're only going to be happy from there you on You need out. to be the George Santos of this radio station when he asked you that question. And say yes, and then, you know, just, uh, I don't know, play something else. <laughs> I can't really fake it like that, though. George <laughs> Santos is a lot smarter than I At am. one point, O'Reilly said that he went to Boston University with Howard, and they were in the same class. <laughs> and according to a spy, right now, Howard is talking about Boston University and Bill O'Reilly. We'll find out. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Been a great 80 minutes with my dear friend Andrew Giuliani. Lots more to come, including Brian Kilmeade, Judge Jeanine Pirro, Michael Goodwin, and Larry Kudlow. Plus Sid's take in the 9 o'clock hour. Keep it right here. Sid and Friends in the morning. The Tuesday edition on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Tuesday, I have just finished looking at the San Francisco African-American Reparations Advisory Committee report. Okay? So, they recommend, the people on this panel, that each African-American in San Francisco receive a lump sum payment of $5 million in cash and total debt forgiveness. Whatever they owe, that includes mortgage, car, education, is paid for by the city of San Francisco. It's an astounding report. It says, quote, while neither San Francisco nor California formally adopted the institution of slavery, the tenets of segregation, white supremacy, and systematic repression and exclusion of black people were codified through legal and extra-legal actions, social codes, and judicial enforcement, unquote. So therefore, reparations are demanded. Now, if this ever happened, and I don't believe it will, what about the people who have to pay the five million bucks and all the debt relief? They're regular working Americans living in San Francisco. They have to pay it. Is that fair to them? Of course not. If anything like this ever passed, race relations would be set back maybe 100 years. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. 
Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Brian Kilmeade coming up next. So at the break, I went into the other office, and Justin Ellick is listening to the Howard Stern Show live on Sirius XM. And sure enough, I told you, Bill, if you send Baba Booey that cut with O'Reilly and Howard, they would play it. And it turned into like a 20-minute segment. They were still talking about it when I walked out. Bill O'Reilly on the Sid Rosenberg Show. And uh, Howard Stern basically described Bill, my dear friend Bill, as George Santos. Everything he said, he lied about. He's like, I didn't know him in Boston University. What the hell is he talking about? You heard it, Andrew. I did. I did. He said that everybody makes up the stuff about me. I didn't have an afro there. So we got to get a picture of Bill O'Reilly, Bill O'Reilly, of Howard Stern at Boston University to determine whether or not Howard Stern is lying or right. Bill is yeah. lying. Either way, it uh, was entertaining, and uh, we got a bunch of mentions for this show, which never hurts. I do want to play these two cuts. Somebody you know, Andrew, uh, well, maybe not her, but certainly her father, maybe her too. She is the governor in Arkansas. Know her very well. Worked with her in the White House. She's That's what I thought. That's right. She was the, the White House press secretary, yep. and you were working there. Her father, of course, was also the governor of Arkansas, Mike Huckabee. This is Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She was on with Shannon Bream. This is courtesy of Fox News. And they were talking about Donald Trump. Yep. This is yesterday. Lou Rafino, this is Sarah Huckabee Sanders, cut number two. So let's look ahead to 2024. Your bio on your official page as governor describes you as a, quote, trusted confidant of President Trump. Have you talked to him about his 24 run? Will you endorse him in that? My focus right now has been on 2022, winning the election in November, preparing through transition and getting ready to take office as I did this past week. I love the president, have a great relationship with him. I know our country would be infinitely better off if he was in office right now instead of Joe Biden. But right now, my focus isn't 2024. It's focusing here in Arkansas and doing what we can to empower the people of this state and make sure that I'm delivering on the promises that I laid out over the course of the last two years. All right. She's focusing on Arkansas. One more. Shannon Bream talks about the potential 
of Sarah Huckabee Sanders running as VP for either Trump or DeSantis. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Shannon Bream, courtesy of Fox News. Lewis, this is cut number three. There's already speculation about your future. A piece in New York, Time, uh, New York Magazine's Intelligencer uh, was written before the president, former president, announced he was running. It says, is Sarah Huckabee Sanders already auditioning for vice president? It says, too early for Sanders to run for the top spot, but what about Trump Sanders 24? She's shown her loyalty to the former president repeatedly and then said if the former president didn't run a gun, maybe DeSantis Sanders would have a nice sunbelt ring to it. Um, you've just gotten sworn in. Do you already feel the pressure of future speculation? I feel the pressure of delivering this legislative session. Uh, that's the only thing that our team and that I'm focused on is delivering on what we laid out to do. Um, and I look forward to serving as governor of Arkansas for a full eight years if the people of Arkansas uh, will give me that privilege and that opportunity. I'm incredibly excited about what I think we have in front of us. And that's the only thing I'm spending my time focused on right now. All right, she's focused on Arkansas. That's all terrific. Mm. But somewhere down the road, She's a young lady, whether it's VP, president. Uh, do you look at Sarah Huckabee Sanders as a real player, whether it's four years, eight years, ten years down the road? Yes. I was thinking about this a couple days ago, actually. I think that uh, a 20 – I know she said eight years. I think a 28 or potentially a 32 run for Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, is not out of the realm. And if she has the success in Arkansas that her father had, then I think there's uh, a real path for her. And actually, I have to tell you, Sid – of all the people that I worked with in government, uh, there's nobody who's more real, who's got a great sense of humor, by the way. She's yeah. hysterical yeah. Uh, and just a really good person than Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And she went through a lot of hell. I remember she was uh, having lunch one day. Yeah, and they can't. They can't. They tried <laughs> to kick her out, out of the her. restaurant. It's crazy. <laughs> and she's got three young boys. I think three young boys, three young kids. Uh, great person. Take, took missiles every single day from the press corps. Missiles, and just handled it with such grace and such class. Um, I think that she would be a spectacular candidate. And actually, if I were Trump and I were DeSantis, I would consider her. Yeah. She might be a little bit young at this point in terms raw. of the fact that a little yeah. raw. I mean, yeah. she's just literally got sworn in for the job. But I have no doubt she's going to do a great job in Arkansas. And I think somebody to consider in 2028. So maybe that eight-year commitment was a little bit long for her right now. It's probably right. what she has to say now. I would, if I were her, committed to the four years that she was just sworn in to do and leave open maybe 2028. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Sitting friends in the morning, my good buddy Andrew Giuliani sitting in today. But take this time, you know, once a week now I talk to Brian Kilmeade because he's great. And, of course, you know Brian follows me every morning at 10 a.m. right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Also one of the big stars in Fox and Friends, Fox News every morning. And his Saturday night show on Fox News, One Nation, I say it every week. I love it. It's a great show. The multi-talented and very handsome Brian Kilmeade. And this is one of those days, Brian, where... You wash my back, and I wash yours. You're on this show this morning. I'll be on your very popular Fox radio show coming up later on this morning. 
Right now, won't you normally you you do an eleven in the eleven o'clock hour? Now, normally, normally aren't you in a tank top, uh, <laughs> lifting weights? I mean, are you, am I interrupting your workout? No, that comes later in the day. It's funny because yesterday I filled in for John Katsimatidis. He was in Pennsylvania with the new governor, so I actually hosted the show for him yesterday afternoon. And I came straight here from the gym. So picture this: in the morning during my show, I'm wearing a brand new sport jacket, gorgeous show, look like a million bucks. In the afternoon, I come back, I'm wearing sweatpants and a sweatshirt directly from the gym. So you got both sides of Sid Rosenberg at WABC yesterday. Right. And how does this staff feel about this? They didn't enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think so. I mean, they're going to write that up. We're the Human Resources Department. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know if you have one of those. So uh, your friend and mine, Donald Trump, was at it again yesterday, basically threatening Ron DeSantis saying, hey, look, you know, I made you and your rallies were great and you beat Gillum down in the state of Florida. But without me, you're a nobody. And if you want to run against me, you got to do what you got to do. But it really did sound like a mob threat coming from President Trump. What do you think about that? It's the second time uh, uh, he's done it. And he did it right after, you know, I think he did it right after or right before the election, which uh, DeSantis won easily and really sent a message all around. I don't I, I think DeSantis does not want to talk about it. I think he's waiting to waiting this out. He's really dividing Trump land because there is not one person I know who follows Donald Trump who doesn't love Ron DeSantis. And there's not there's very few that follow DeSantis and have negative feelings towards Trump. That's why it's dividing it's dividing Republicans in a way they're not comfortable. And I've never met more people ups, more upset that when he went after DeSantis the last time and said something very similar, said he's like, he would have been nothing without me. In one way, he's, he's correct. When he decided to pick DeSantis out and said this guy should get the nomination, the agricultural secretary was up by about 25 points. And Trump did work hard. But DeSantis also worked hard, too, uh, was able to eke out a one-point lead and became the most successful governor of the country. I think Democrats would even admit that. Uh, uh, they wouldn't do it publicly, but they would admit it. So – I think it's going to be they're going to wait for the court cases to play out. I think DeSantis is waiting to see if there's anything that's going to stop him from running, an indictment or something like that. If nothing stops him from running, then DeSantis will probably decide in March. He'll say, uh, you know, he's already got national ads out on social media, uh, and they already changed the rule in Florida that says you can hold on to the governorship and run for president. So I think that he goes ahead and does it. I saw the Amherst poll last week. It says they're in a dead heat. But I'll tell you, in Florida, DeSantis wins. DeSantis wins easily in Florida. But, of course, uh, there's a whole country to deal with here, not just Florida. Big state, no doubt about it. Very, very big state in the election. But uh, there's a whole country to deal with here. And I'm not sure DeSantis can beat him just yet. You did mention Mar-a-Lago, the document story for Joe Biden. Brian Kilmeade gets worse and worse every day. We, We find more locations, more classified items. He's got no idea what's going on. And really, if you think about it, last week when this first surfaced, that was a huge win for Donald Trump because now what are you going to say to Trump when the sitting president, although vice president at the time, has done the same exact thing? That's a huge win for Donald Trump going back to day one of this Joe Biden fiasco. And, you know, in New York last week got buried, but he had, he was indicted on 17 counts. It's a total political ploy. I think you agree with me uh, in the New York State. They looked into him about uh, avoiding taxes. The CFOs goes to jail to Rikers Island at 76 <laughs> years old. Total attack job. It's nuts.
I hope he's okay. I hear he's a good guy. He's got totally screwed. But he only got fined $1.7 million. For you and I, that's $1.70. So he could put New York behind him. He's got some other uh, minor suits that never hurt him before. So now he has Mar-a-Lago and he has Georgia. So they could be an indictment on January 6th, but come on. I mean, you, they still haven't been able to prove anything. I don't think he was buying an orchestrated invasion uh, and alternate electors. So it comes down to the Georgia lawsuit, and it comes down to Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago just got neutralized, which leaves you Georgia. And, man, you're really going to go out there and take those phone calls and going to indict a former president as a state prosecutor? So with those things gone— you know, Trump might be ready to roll. The problem is I don't even think his family's on board with this. I know that Eric would do it. Uh, I, I know Ivanka is out. Jared Kushner is out. I'm not sure Don Jr. is in. He is the most popular one outside his dad. So uh, no word from his, Melania. There was reports that if he ran again, don't don't include her, which, you know, all that stuff needs to get in place. His most valuable asset was his was his family last time. So it's going to be fascinating. But I, I think it's field is probably going to be seven or eight. I think Pompeo's in. I think Nikki Haley will be in. I think Tim Scott will be in. I think Rick Scott will be in. Uh, and I think Christy Nome will be in. So we'll see where this goes. All right, we'll, uh, we'll take a short break. We'll come back more with Brian Kilmeade. You mentioned Jared Kushner. He came up on a Sunday morning TV show. I want to bring that out to you. Plus the Giants with a big win on Sunday. More with Brian Kilmeade right after this. See these children jumping off. Stations one by one. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Friends. on Sitting Friends in the Morning, and of course, Brian Kilmeade still with me. Brian coming up at 10 o'clock right after me on Fox and Friends and One Nation on Saturday nights. So I was watching my uh, good buddy Chuck Todd on Meet the Press on Sunday, and yet Wisconsin Congressman Ron Johnson on the show. And uh, Ron Johnson was talking about the unfair media, how they're treating Trump differently than Biden when it comes to the document scandal, how they treat uh, Hunter Biden. And Chuck Todd goes, well, wait a second. If you're so upset about Hunter Biden, shouldn't you be equally as upset about Jared Kushner? Now, I got to tell you, Brian, I think that 99 percent of my audience has no idea what the hell Chuck Todd is talking about when it comes to wrongdoings by Jared Kushner, especially compared to Hunter Biden. That led those two guys to a big fight, which was everywhere yesterday, Ron Johnson and Chuck Todd. What about that silly comparison? If you're upset about Hunter Biden, you should be upset about Jared Kushner. Well, number one, you know what's amazing, Sid, is how clueless, little legitimately clueless, smart people are about Tony Bobolinsky, about what Hunter legitimately was up to. If you bring up 
the CEFC and this uh, this deal with this Chinese official, this energy executive who was linked to the Chinese government, who had paid Hunter all this money. Bobolinsky had set it up because Hunter had no experience to do it. Bobolinsky realizes that this deal is is shady, realizes they're dealing him out. That's how ugly this Biden family is. They were actually screwing the guy they lured in to set up these deals. That's when he turned. So they don't know all this. So what Chuck Todd is saying, I'll just keep it on the surface. What Chuck Todd is saying, you don't like that Hunter's trading on, trading on the Biden name. What about Jared Kushner and Trump? Well, a couple of things. Jared Kushner actually worked for the administration, arguably the MVP. He sets up the Abraham Accords. He sets up uh, the whole building 450 miles of war, uh, of wall. He sets up the um, the uh, the prison, the 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 law enforcement reform, the keep on forgetting the the uh, legal reform, whatever that is. Uh, he, he did uh, the whole reform of the justice system, criminal justice reform. So he said, so whatever you think of him, he, this guy was achieving. When he's done, he does a business deal with a business that he had prior to him getting this job, and he does a deal. If there's a problem with it, go look into it. Listen, if, he, if he's you know doing something illegal, let's find out about it. But we have read about it in the Wall Street Journal. He said, <laughs> I did this deal. It was above board. The things were signed. There was no backroom deal. The guy goes, okay, Jared Kushner, I like dealing with you in the government. I like dealing with you in, in the private sector. You're a pretty honorable guy. If there was something shady, go look, go for it. But how do you complain? How do you compare these two things when we have it in writing that President Biden was getting a piece of Hunter Biden's action that he was trading on his dad's name, who was setting up one-on-one meetings with guys, guy Carlos Slim, the uh, these uh, Chinese executives, these Ukrainian executives, uh, as well as uh, the Romanian executives. This was all happening. So for Chuck Todd to go in there thinking he's got a great argument. And indicting his lack of research was nuts. You know, it seemed like Ron Johnson was caught by surprise by it. But he also was just pulled back and said, have you ever attacked anybody else like this? Right. Why do you invite me on? Right. He said, you invite me on not to discuss uh, topics, but to just fight with me. And Ron Johnson was right. Actually, he texted Chuck Todd at the time. I swear to God, Brian. And I said, hey, man, lay low. This ain't going well for you. And he texted me afterwards, just get me Trump. That was the exact quote. Uh, Let's move over now to something local. My friend, the mayor, Eric Adams, in El Paso, Texas, over the weekend, took a red-eye flight back on MLK Day here to New York City, wanted to see it firsthand. Finally, he's been invited time and time again by Governor Abbott in Texas. Finally, Brian Kilmeade, Eric Adams, took the trip to El Paso, Texas. Your thoughts on the mayor at the border? Loved it. I love that he went. I, I wanted him to do it five months ago. I'm sure you did, too. I, I love that he went and saw the, the ugly sections, unlike the president. Uh, I love that he saw things for firsthand. And, you know, I would love to see that you said Democratic mayor in El Paso. If it was a Republican mayor, he basically gave him a pass. And I don't blame him. I should give him a pass. He goes, listen, why, why should I take uh, 40,000 people that don't belong here and put it in my small little town? All these people sign paperwork to say they want to go to New York City. The bottom line is the mayor called out the federal government, but not the president. Bottom line is, as long as the mayor has a sanctuary city, he can't cry foul because he's saying, if you come here, you get to stay. Don't fear you're going to be expelled. Therefore, he's got to make room. Now we got 40,000 extra people. Most seem to be ungrateful for the free food and board at 55000 per person. Think about how much money. Just everybody today, if you get paid 
through direct deposit, look up your paycheck, flip it over, see how much is going to the city, the state, a little on the federal government, and know this is going to, your money is going to people that don't belong here. It doesn't matter what you think or uh, Hispanic or there's Russians, Romanian. I mean, there is 150 countries represented at our southern border. And that's the federal government. Now he's going to the council. Now he's going to go meet with the mayors in Washington. He's got to go to the president. And the president will see him. And the president will listen to him. If he really wants to make a difference and become a national figure, go do both those things. He's got to get this guy's attention for the good of New York. And the, the ramifications will be he will be a national figure. Agreed, and he can run for president himself one day. Who knows? All right, down to the Elite Eight. About two minutes to go here, Brian. National Football League last night, of course, may have been the end of Tom Brady's career. We'll see. Dallas wins easily. So now you got uh, two games on Saturday, starting, of course, with Jacksonville and Kansas City. Two games on Sunday. You've got that Bills-Bengals game finally in Buffalo. Then, of course, you get San Francisco hosting Dallas. But the late game Saturday night from the link in Philadelphia, 8.30 kickoff, features the Eagles and the Giants for the third time this year. The Giants fresh off a very impressive road win in Minnesota on Sunday. The Giants getting about a touchdown. That's way too many points, by the way. Uh, Daniel Jones looks great. Our football Giants, do they get a win, Brian Kilmeade, in Philadelphia on Saturday night? They look like the Coughlin Giants that went to the Super Bowl twice. And I do think that that last game that they played with uh, Davis Webb and with their, with their subs, resting everybody, including Saquon and uh, Daniel Jones, sent a message. Because you can't even say that the Eagles, well, they didn't play their stars. Wrong. They played Hurts Hurt, and they had to win the game for the number one seed and get the week off. So they have to be saying to myself, man, the Giants made some adjustments already. The first time they played, they were totally outclassed. The Giants didn't play bad. They were just beaten by a better team every quarter. I mean, they tried to get back. They just looked overmatched. But I think they've made the adjustments. They're playing with house money. They're not afraid. And the Eagles have not finished strong. So some of those things, I mean, you could tell me, I mean, I think the Eagles are a better team than Minnesota, but not by much. So they are very much in this game. And they, you're not going to tell me that they're going to be intimidated by Philadelphia. They play no. twice a year for 90 years. <laughs> yeah, so no. they're not going to be intimidated by Philadelphia's uh, angry audience. No, they're We're not. They're going to boo their people as yep. soon as they, if they're trailing 10 nothing in the first quarter, Sid, they're going to be turning on the Eagles, believe me. Oh, that, that's not fan base, no doubt about it. Look, the Giants are playing their best football at the right time. For me, more reminiscent of a Bill Parcells team. They they don't turn the ball over. They run the ball well. They play good defense. But you're right. They got a good shot in Philly coming up on Saturday night. On the way out, what time am I on your great show later on this morning on Fox News? Uh, 1134. We also have Lee Zeldin coming in. I'll bring back his audio. Um, I'll bring back him. He's going to be in my first hour that you guys, we don't, uh, you guys don't carry on ABC. So I'll bring that back. Uh, his interesting, is he going to run? I thought for Santos seat, if Santos gets thrown out, the guy's an embarrassment to the country. Uh, so sooner or later, he's going to be tossed. And I'm wondering if Lee Zeldin's going to run. Uh, we'll get an answer. Uh, Janice Dean's going to be on, you know, she took help take Cuomo down. That'll be great. And then we're going to find out about this economy. The president says it's great, uh, and some people say it isn't. We got the experts on. 
Uh, Varney and company will do a simulcast. So it'll be great. We're going to talk about reparations in California. Five million for anybody that says they're African-American. I know. Uh, and uh, <laughs> lives in San Francisco for 13 years. Unbelievable. Five million dollars. I know. I may go tanning like every day this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Go over. It might be worth the move. Why not? Hey, Brian, I'll see you later on this morning. As always, great. A great job here this morning. Thank you so much. You're great. I'll see you later. All right. Stay within yourself, Sid. Go All right. <laughs> There he is, folks, coming up after me, 10 o'clock every morning here on WABC. And, of course, Fox and Friends and One Nation on Fox News, my man, Brian Kilmeade. More of me, Sid Rosenberg, and Andrew Giuliani on this Tuesday morning right here. Talk Radio 77, WABC. In the morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. What were they doing? Why does Corinne Jean-Pierre get out on January 10th and say, we're all transparent. We, we have completed, I assume it's all been completed. Two days later, we found out there are more documents. So they not only don't have their story straight, but that tells me that they were doing something during those two months. During those two months, I can guarantee you, in that house where Joe Biden said he was, where he was living and Hunter said he was paying $49,000 a month rent, which to me is money laundering to his father, Joe. Joe says he only made $19,000 a month on that house that Hunter gave him $50,000 a month to rent. So there's all kinds of questions that you've got going on here, and nobody's answering them. We're supposed to just say, oh, it's not as bad as Trump. It's worse. At least Trump was a president. Mm. These are all Obama-era documents. And i got to say one more thing. Andrew McCabe, of all people to talk about this. This guy gets thrown out of the FBI for leaking documents. He comes around and he says, you know what? We really, we really should, we should not give the Republicans anything and we should let them do whatever they want to do, but don't cooperate. No. And at the end of the day, it's a huge gift to Trump. How can you not love this lady? My God, she's so good. Whether it's the five on Fox News, that's where that was from. Of course, Sunday mornings here on WABC. Well, I've got a huge crush on her anyway. She knows that. She's the great Judge Janine Pirro. Judge, uh, just so you know, it's Sid. I've got Andrew Giuliani sitting in with me today, so he's a big fan of yours. He loves you. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I like what you had to say there because while I'm doing the show, you, you're in the studios on Sunday. You know we've got these TVs in the newsroom. And out of the corner of my left eye, I see CNN. I see MSNBC. And all they've done for days is make the argument that what Joe Biden did was not nearly as bad as what Donald Trump did. And you made the astute point there that it was worse. And why was that again? It was worse because at least 
President Trump was the president, which gives him the authority to declassify. Joe Biden was a vice president. He did not have the power to declassify. And let's talk about the timing. All of the records, documents that they're admitting to at this point are from his time during the Obama administration when Hunter Biden was making a killing out there with his vacuum cleaner, sucking up money from (laughs) around the world. Okay, that during that time, though, that means that those documents are six years old. So what you know, why are they holding on to those documents? We know they're from Ukraine, Iran the United Kingdom relating to those topics. Now, think about this, did the truth and Andrew, the truth is that Ukraine is where Joe Biden said, you're not getting our money, ha, 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 unless you get rid of the prosecutor investigating my son's company that he makes 50 or $80,000 a month from. And now I know why Joe was so passionate about yep, it. Yep. He was getting $50,000 a month from his son, allegedly, for rent on a joint that isn't worth more than $6,000 a month. I mean, give me a break. He actually called the guy during that little rant there a son of a bitch. Yeah. You, uh, no, no, I, I just am just so curious. How can the White House now, considering all this and the document releases, by the way, which I expect them more to come, how can they justify not releasing any visitor logs to Biden's house now, considering the classified information we knew it was stored right behind his Corvette, his prize Corvette? Well, not only the Corvette, Andrew, but in a, another room adjacent to the garage, whatever that yeah. means. That means, uh, well, well I'll, I'll leave that alone. But it's not <laughs> only that information. <laughs> We're all thinking the same thing. So it's, it's not just it's not just those records. I mean, the truth is that they can say, look, there are no visitor logs, but they have Secret Service protection. So what did the Secret Service say? They say now, oh, we don't have any visitor logs either. Yeah. Well, if you don't have a visitor log, you definitely had cameras. Show me the cameras. And you know what? You start bringing those Secret Service guys in or women one by one. Who did you see? Who came in during this month, during that month? You know, don't let them get away with it, because just like Andrew McCabe, I mean, talk about a guy who wants to get on and pontificate. I mean, the guy was thrown out, as I said, thrown out of the FBI. He says, you know, uh, you know, stop them at every turn. Don't give them any information. You know, let them hold you in contempt. I mean, well, sure, they got the attorney general. They won't prosecute you. We'll only prosecute Steve Bannon. I mean, it's crazy. We'll, we'll see those cameras right before we see the cameras of Paul Pelosi's house, by the way. That's when we'll see <laughs> yeah, that actual yeah. camera. That's right. That uh, Judge Dean Pirro here with uh, Sid and Andrew. Look, at the end of the day, Judge, uh, you're not going to uh, indict a sitting president for this. And Donald Trump yeah. is not going to go down for this either. There's going to be a lot of talk and nothing's going to happen. But I will say this. I watched that divisive speech from Joe Biden about MLK. Only he can find a way to take something like that and make it miserable and nasty. The problem at the southern border, obviously, is still a huge issue. So above and beyond this document story, which I think goes away eventually, nothing happens. He really, he really has turned into one of the nastiest and least likable presidents in the history of this country. Yeah, the the guy is, he is very petty. He is a guy who is very hateful. He's divisive. He has teed up one part of America against another part of America. You know, it's one thing for a president to get out there, guys, and say, you know, the Iranians, they want to, uh, you know, the uh, the Ayatollah wants to kill us. 
They want to get rid of Israel. They want to do this or that. But it's another thing to pretty much trash your own people. And that's what Joe Biden has done. And that's the kind of hate that leads not just to the divisiveness, but it leads to it leads to violence. Hate leads to violence. Violence leads to retaliation and total community unrest. And that's what Joe Biden is doing. But I want to go back one second to the uh, to, to the document. Let me ask you this, guys, from November 2nd, when they say they first found the document to January 9th or 10th, when we first heard about the document, what were they doing? The the Biden people had those documents for two months before we heard boo. That tells me that they were that, that they were doing something. It wasn't just they were keeping it quiet because the best thing they could have done was they could have released the information the week of Christmas, the week after Christmas, New Year's, no press, nobody's talking, nobody's doing anything. What were they doing for two months with those documents? Well, let's turn that around. Let's turn that around to you, being you're asking the question because you're very, very bright, Janine. What do you think they were doing? It seems to me that they are putting all their ducks in the row. They're finding out what they've got there. Look, it's not beyond them because we know from Hillary, she literally destroyed 33,000 emails. Uh, It's not beyond them to destroy some of this stuff because once the Department of Justice had it on November 4th, you can say, look, you know, they didn't want to admit it before the midterms, but that's who they are. They did the same thing with Hunter Biden's laptop before a presidential election. They're going to hide this. But they had a chance to release it when no one was looking. And, you know, it would have been an old story if it had been released weeks ago. They were doing something. They were identifying information. They were, as far as I'm concerned, the possibility of obstructing and destroying evidence is not beyond these people. So that's a question that you need to ask. Why? Why so long? What were they doing? You know, and that that's just something I want to go back to. That tells me that two months tells me that there's a lot of shenanigans going on. Well, Judge, this is a hard pivot, but I actually have a personal question for you. I'm in about a half hour leaving for jury duty, and you, being the esteemed judge that you are, how should I deal with that where I can fulfill my civic duty without getting in a three-week trial? What would you recommend? Very good question. Well, what I recommend is you keep your mouth shut and serve as a juror, okay? You have a civic responsibility. You have a, don't you dare talk about the criminal justice system unless you take advantage of the fact that you have an opportunity to make things right, okay? And that means, that means you never say anything like, well, he was arrested. You know, he must be guilty. No, 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 okay? No. Fair enough, okay. Well, you're on your way. Yes. I never get picked. I want to get picked. I want. They won't let me. He's on his way. He's going to go in about uh, 20 minutes. I do want to ask you about a local story. The mayor being you're here in New York City. You do your show from New York City every day, six days a week. He finally went to El Paso. I know it's about five months too late, but he finally listened to Governor Abbott. And unlike Joe Biden, he did actually tour Janine some of the nastier parts of the border, not the sanitized parts. Too little, too late for you. Are you okay with Eric Adams going this weekend? Let me tell you something. I, you know, and I've been very critical of him in terms of crime in New York and the cashless bail, but I'm glad he went to the border. And you know what? He's not quite there yet. 
but he's about to call out Biden. Okay, he said this is a federal government yep. issue. This is not a this is not a city issue. And as far as I'm concerned, it's just going to take a little more to get this guy to get the mayor Eric Adams to come out and publicly say you can't allow this to happen in the United States without at least you know uh, taking care of the cities that are being overrun. The southern border is destroyed. These small town cities and vi- villages. Their budgets are are, are totally uh, uh, you know consumed with the illegals. But I give cre- I give him credit, and I've been a big critic of Eric Adams. You know what? Get out there, and all we want is for people to be honest, guys. Just be honest, and we'll support you regardless of your party. Well, and Judge, that's what we need. I am looking at Sid Rosenberg across the studio right now, and I have to tell you, he looks as proud. So As happy. a father whose son just scored the winning touchdown in the Super Bowl right now, there just now. may be a seat for you at the next yeah. dinner with Sid well, Rosenberg and Mayor Eric Adams. Well, I don't know if Curtis Lee uh, will get invited, well, but listen, there I, may I, be one for I, Judge I, I have, the last couple of months, made it my business to spend time with the mayor, Janine. I think you know this. We've gone for dinner on occasion. I help him feed the homeless on Wednesday nights because I came to the realization that city is more important to me than my politics. And if Eric Adams is willing to listen to a conservative, a Republican, and actually do something about it, why wouldn't I take that opportunity? And he is willing. That says a lot, no? Yes, it does say a lot. And I'll tell you, I'll give you another one, another kudos for him, which blew me away. When he said, we have, if we have mentally ill in New York City, we've got to have the power to at least take them in if they're homeless, take them in and see if they're a danger to themselves or other, you know, or others, and make sure that we start to do something about the med- mentally ill who are homeless in New York. I mean, the guy's starting to move to normal, okay? And I like it. <laughs> I love that. He's starting to move yeah. to normal. You are, you're just... You're the best, Janine. Yep. You really are. Five, o- right. well, 5 o'clock every day on Fox News, 11 o'clock every Sunday morning here on WABC. It's always a treasure having you on. You were great this morning. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you. Hey, and Andrew, serve on that jury. <laughs> okay. Serve okay. Serve people. Goodbye. I, all right. Take care. I've been, I'm uh, listening to the judge. I am not no, crossing to, Judge yes, Janine. No. That's for sure. They've asked me to. Um, actually, one time I was supposed to face a jury. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no jury duty, but uh, I did show up for yeah. that. So. Was, Lou, was Lou a witness in that? Yes, Lou was, was a witness. Was, yes. yeah. Too many times. Yeah. Yeah. Subpoenaed. And I had a dream team. My two attorneys were Joe Tacopina and Rudy Giuliani. Were they so, really? Yeah, oh, it was a pretty goodness. good team right wow. there. Yeah. <laughs> 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Great stuff. And normally it's Judge the Janine. Italian who gets the Jewish lawyer, not I know. the Jew who gets the Italian lawyer. You're right but, about you know, that. You know, Very okay. good, That's why we're close, baby. That's why we're Still to come, New York Post columnist Michael Goodwin, and we'll talk economy with the brilliant Larry Kudlow. All that's still to come. Sid Rosenberg, Andrew Giuliani, and the crew on this Tuesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning, only on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Someone controlled you. They It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. It's time for Talk Radio 77 WABC's Slice of New York. Now we're here with Sid Rosenberg asking the question, what's your favorite football team? For the last 44 years, I've been an avid New York football giant fan to the point where I'm close with guys like Bill Sims and Lawrence Taylor. So I'm a diehard giant fan, but that was not the case my whole life. I was a Jet fan and I was a mascot of the week. They took it away from me. The Jet organization screwed me at the age of eight. So let's go Giants. Talk Radio 77 WABC's Slice of New York. You tell them, JT, a little grease for you. Oh, Olivia Newton-John, here she comes. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, we lost her this year. That was, um, Slice of New York was something that Chris Libertini put together for the the app, I guess, or the internet. It never aired, I don't believe, on actual radio last year. And he asked me like a hundred questions. It was so annoying. What's your favorite team? What's your favorite restaurant? What's your favorite position? What? Position, yeah, football position or something else. Yeah, go with that. Okay. And um, so, long story Tight short, I, I I did all these things for him because he's annoying. You know, he, he's, he's a brilliant talent, but he gets very annoying. So I did it. And then I never ask what happened to these things. I don't care. And then yesterday he goes, "Do you remember last year?" I go, "Are you serious, Chris?" <laughs> I'm living in my fourth different address in about three weeks. Do I remember cutting up these stupid? So he goes, well, you said the Giants are your favorite team. Oh, okay. Not the first time. But uh, once he said it, it sounded good. And the piece was good. And I'm so enthusiastic about the Giants and this big game on Saturday, as is Andrew Giuliani, that it seemed like a good time to play it. So nice job by Chris Libertini. And you and I are both very excited about this game on, on Saturday night. Absolutely. I love the way that they're playing right now. I think it's always tough to beat a team three times in the season. Obviously, that first Philly Giants game, Philly showed their immense talent. And I but think at there that is time, a at that gap. time, they were the, playing great football and the Giants weren't. Philly was playing the best football probably in the league at that Correct. time. And that was the worst the Giants were playing all season. I don't want to say it's flipped at this point, but the Giants are definitely playing their best football of the season. Philly, we still have to question whether or not Hertz is going to be fully healthy, and we know the effect that he has on the entire offense. Yeah. Uh, I love the way Daniel Jones is playing. I love the way Barkley's playing. I mean, guys like Hodgins, who comes in, wasn't even on the roster at the beginning of no, the year. He was and all of a sudden, the, the guy looks the, like Wes, Wes he, Welker. He was on the Bills practice squad, yeah. and they cut him. And uh, he's come up big. Darius Slayton dropped a big football on yeah. third down, but he's played well. There's nobody who felt more relief oh, I know. getting that fourth and eighth stop than <laughs> Darius Slayton. He looked miserable. He did. So your father yesterday was uh, leaving as I was coming in because I helped out and hosted Katsimatidi's show yesterday, yep. too. I did double duty morning and afternoon. And he invited me uh, Saturday to his apartment. He hasn't even invited me yet. So this is <laughs> this is now returning the favor because you remember I invited you before yes. inviting my father Rudy Giuliani over to watch the football game on Sunday. So now he's this is the Italian in him getting back at his son <laughs> and saying, "Okay, I'll invite Sid and yep. you. I'll leave you hanging out there to see." If you can beg for an invitation. Well, we so I have to beg Rudy for an invitation. I don't Rudy. have the official invitation for this Saturday yet. Yeah. But we did talk about possibly doing it. And when he let me the phone message last Sunday, right before kickoff, he went on and on about, 
the TV he's got. And the it's a big TV. Is it? It's a big TV. How big he's is it? He's got a big TV. Probably 70 inches, okay. I think. Yeah. I think I haven't got no. the tape measure out there, but if I was to look at it and just eyeball it, I think about 70 yeah. inches. It's a nice TV. It's a kind of TV you'd want to watch a giant victory over the Philadelphia He said Eagles he on. may go, though, and he told me a story about, and you told it earlier this morning about yeah. you and him after 9-11. So he said, I may go to Philadelphia, but if I don't and I do have a little get-together, please come. So it's a very simple question. Should I come to your dad's apartment on Saturday? Absolutely. I should, Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. if you go, put in a good word for me, because I'd like to get back there. <laughs> It'd be nice. I mean, I always have my wife make the ass for me, because you can't say no to her. To me, it's like, ah, come on, you. Oh, You've been too God. much of a pain in the you-know-what, my uh, That is my funny. Uh, Pete Morgan checks in. He says, Andrew Giuliani, who we all know was a great golfer at Duke, not sure about football, though he did play football in New Jersey. At, I uh, did play football in New Jersey in Don high Bosco school. Don Bosco or something, right? St. Joe's. St. Joe's. Pete Morgan says uh, maybe Andrew Giuliani can go to Dallas and replace the kicker. He kicked in high school. He was good at a big-time program. I would have done better than that Dallas kicker last night, I can tell you It didn't that. matter, though. So, they, no. they beat the, the Buccaneers and Brady so badly, it didn't matter. They Right, they, they killed him. I, I actually, at one point, I think it was Bergen County, but had the points record in Bergen County for about 10 years. You did. Until somebody else from St. Joe's actually broke it. Recently. Yes. Like and last year. And, and I didn't even know I had the record until he broke it. Pete Morgan told it me on this show. He goes, Giuliani's record, some kid just broke it. Yeah. And I did contact you. You had no idea. By the way, Pete Morgan is all over Bergen County sports because yeah. I have to tell you, I didn't even know that the football, that the uh, U.S. men's national team goalie was a graduate of St. Joe's, my alma mater, until Pete Morgan he tells that. me he's sitting yeah, in studio yeah. with you. Yeah, he's so a psycho. he is a wealth of knowledge. He's a psycho. Well, that's, that's what he is. But anybody who's friends with you has right. to be a psycho. That's but why he, I call He takes such good care of me. I mean, there's a possibility to. I'll be at the Ranger Bruin game on Thursday night, Pete Morgan. Beautiful. There's a chance I'll be at the Knicks-Wizards game, Pete Morgan. Yes. Every giant game I take Gabriel to, Pete Morgan. But this goes back like 20 years. Yeah. you got to understand, I'm in South Florida, and I want to talk Giants football. I'm at a Miami station. Yep. They're like, no, Sid, you're not in New York anymore. We talk Dolphins. I go, nope, there's a big New York audience down here. Yep. I'm going to cater to them. I do Dolphins all morning. I'm doing one giant report every week. They go, fine, get it sponsored. Yeah. I go, well, let me think about this. <laughs> what makes sense in South Florida? Boilers. <laughs> now, no one has gotten a boiler in South Florida in like 50 years. Yeah. But I know my buddy Pete Morgan, and if I need 10 grand, he's going to give it to me. So I call him, and I go, listen. Any chance, I thought he would laugh me off the phone. Yep. Where do I send the check? Uh, awesome. And every Friday, Paul Schwartz came on in Miami yep. with the giant report brought to you by Pete Morgan mm-hmm. and Peter Spoilers. That's all you need to know. And by the way, because there are so many New Yorkers in South of Florida, course. there are more New York tags than there are Florida uh, tags down there. Of course you're going to get great ratings, and because you have immense talent, and that's why Pete uh, sees through all I this right Pete. here. Thank you. By the way, you are uh, talking about New York. You live in New York City. I do. And you're messy talented as well. Oh, um, appreciate that. But yet, yet, you're a big sports fan. Yeah. Part of the reason why you and I get along so well. Mm-hmm. And moving forward, I'm excited about you contributing to the show. Yeah. Um, but yet, you have not been to a Ranger game and or a Nick game all year. Not this year. That's I have not awful. Been to one. I know it's terrible. It is absolutely It's got to be your wife's fault. It's got to be Z. It's got to be her. She she doesn't like when you go out. You know, I got an early invite to a Knicks game, as a matter of fact, this year. And I turned it down, and I haven't gotten an invite back to a Knicks or a Ranger. So I've got to make sure I get the right invite. I haven't kissed the right tookus. Does she have to to go? You have to take your wife with you? No, no, she doesn't. You know, they used to. She worked in title insurance. She still works in title insurance. But they used to actually have a box 
for the Knicks and the Rangers game. So anytime she'd have a client, they'd go to a game and all gotcha. that. So I used to go to a dozen games a year in the boxes in there. I haven't really yeah. been to a game. I've been to a couple Ranger games last year, but I have yet to go to one yet this year. So I got to get to one. You got to go. I got to get to one. The this irony month. behind the I whole, love the way the the whole Rosenberg uh, Giuliani relationship is. Uh, we decided, Danielle and I, that we were going to take Andrew out for dinner yep. in the middle of his gubernatorial run, yep. and he met us at Michael's of uh, Brooklyn, yep. and it was during the Rangers playoff run. Watch game six of the yes. Eastern Conference Finals together. The elimination game. Yes. Another prediction that I missed on. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, like, we're going to win, we're going to win. win this game. But that's where the, the whole love affair basically started. Yep. Ranger hockey, Brooklyn, yep. and you're yet to go. So yep. you need to go. I got to get going. I Me, you, and there. Pete, how about that? That's, let's do it. You want to do I'm it? I'm in. Absolutely. All right, he's listening Absolutely. right now. We'll take care of it. So now you're going <laughs> Pete, to what? <laughs> jury duty coming up in about 30 minutes. In about 30 minutes. What's yes. the case about, you know? Or... Oh, I don't even know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think right now we're just going in there to sit and, you know, hope you don't get called, basically. Right. Sorry, Judge. <laughs> I don't know. I don't offend you, Judge Janine, but really kind of hoping we yeah. don't get called. Okay. I mean, the 40 bucks a day would be nice, yeah. but I don't, I don't know if I'm Is that what you get, 40 a, a day? I think it's 40 a day. Maybe it's 80 a day. I don't know. We'll say uh, yeah, 40 yeah, a yeah. day. It's not much. You'll it's be back much. here on Friday. I'll be back on Friday. All right. Looking Beautiful. forward to it. All right. And then we'll do this again uh, every week for a very, very long time. Yes. Unless unless I have jury duty. I'll still come back. I just missed the 9 o'clock hour. Gotcha. Right well, listen, good luck with jury duty today. You were magnificent this morning. Well, I'm just it's great to see you. Coattails we'll of a legend over here. Oh, thank you. Well, I mean Lou, of course. Of course, yeah. yes. Yeah. Not even Phil. Yeah. I notice you, you don't talk a lot about Phil. Do you dislike him? Well, or? I, I, mentioned on Friday, I mentioned on Friday he's got a serial killer vibe. And I have to tell you, the seat that I'm sitting in, my back is to him, which for an Italian is already bad. <laughs> you can't but see But I don't know. I feel a little uncomfortable. Maybe this is your genius, Sid. <laughs> you put me, you make me a little uncomfortable, put my back to Phil, and so I'm just a little on edge, and maybe it'll produce some greatness. Out That's of why I did it. You know, I yeah. often get this from people. They go, I like Phil. I like him. Yeah. He's funny. Yeah. He's got that young thing going, but there's something off. Yeah. And I'm always like, you're 100% right. Mm -hmm. There's more than just something off. This kid is a tragedy waiting to happen. Yeah. He's perfect for this profession. You are, are you uh, at all offended by that, Phil? Do you welcome that? That most people think you're, you're funny, you're good for the show, but that there's something really wrong with you. Like, no, I find him funny. Is that true, though? Is and, this... and that's why he's a tragedy waiting to happen, because he's not offended by it. <laughs> right. If he was offended by that, right. then we could say, okay, we'll get him some therapy. He'll be fine. But exactly. I mean, he's a little Sociopaths right and psychopaths never care. Yeah. Right. Where yeah. are we going with this? Lou, how do you deal with it? Because you're in the room with him every day. How do you deal with it? I've learned to, to deal with it. That's all. Yeah. I mean, there's he's scared nothing, to death. He's scared to death. Oh, I'm scared see. to death. Yes. <laughs> yes. So that helps. But there's not as actually. I am. I prepare for the unexpected with him. That's all you can That's do. That's all there is to. And by the way, but Phil, he's, my he's got the right attitude because he's going to be ready for the tragedies that await him in this business. That's by the way, is, Phil, is it right. true? Is it true that you actually went to a Nets midseason game against the Oklahoma City Thunder? when the Giants were playing their playoff game on Sunday. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. It was on Sunday uh, in the evening. Something very wrong with this Yeah, guy. I know. There is. I mean, Nets That's just thunder an indication right yeah. there. At yeah. halftime of the Giants and Vikings. Yeah. And yet, and yet, with all this basketball knowledge and the prowess, my 14-year-old son, who's an angel, Gabriel, he's the closest thing to God on this planet, all he wants to do. By the way, has great radio talent as well. Thank that you. Christmas Thank show, he, caught, he was spectacular. All he wants to do is win his fantasy basketball team. So Devin Booker got hurt from the Phoenix Suns. Right. So now Gabe has lost three straight games. He's begging to talk to Macedonia Phil, who's got a wealth 
of stupid basketball knowledge, and Phil will not contact my son Gabriel. So why won't you take the call, Phil? I don't have his number. I probably shouldn't you, have. We can't solve this right now. I don't, want, I don't want. I don't want him to have Gabe. I was going to say. I don't know. If, <laughs> well, the, there's the roadblock right there. Get Gabe a bur- <laughs> Gabe gets a burner phone. Let's get him a burner phone so that way he can talk to Phil. Okay? Give him a walkie-talkie, and I'll just like, tune in every now and then. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. You were great again thank today. You. I love when you come in. We'll do it again on Friday. And good luck this afternoon. Thank you, Sid. All right. That's the great Andrew Giuliani. He'll be joining me twice a week on Sid and Friends in the morning. We're very excited to announce that this morning he'll be coming back on. Friday. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Objective reality is that America has been decaying into a country of enormous deep corruption. Uh, When you have $20 billion stolen from the California unemployment system and nothing really has been done about it, basically by uh, inmates in the California prisons, when you have $620 million stolen, from the Washington State Unemployment Compensation System, most of it by Nigerians, uh, when you have the depth of corruption we've seen across the whole system. You've had the level of corruption in the senior FBI. Um, This is just part of the same story. It's not about Biden. It's about a much deeper establishment which has grown very sick and very corrupt uh, and which is a threat to the very survival of freedom in this country in ways we can't even begin to imagine. It includes partly business community leaders, includes partly the news media. It certainly includes large parts of the academic world who've taken money from various dictatorships and then hidden it and lied about it. And in this particular case, maybe we finally reached the ultimate apex of this. We now have a president of the United States who, for all practical purposes, runs a criminal family. His two brothers, his son. There's no other reasonable behavior that explains it except they were all selling influence, and he knew it, and he personally profited from it. <laughs> Newt Gingrich. Wow. We now have a president of the United States who runs a criminal family, his brothers, his son. Newt be right at 844 on this Tuesday morning. Thanks again to Andrew Giuliani. On his way to serving jury duty, he'll be back on Friday. Great show already. Brian Kilmeade, terrific this morning. Don't forget, I'll be on Brian Kilmeade's show coming up at 11.30 this morning. Judge Janine Pirro was great today, too. And Larry Kudlow will join me coming up at 9.05. But I really love this guy. He's a great writer. I mean, a great writer. New York Post columnist on the radio all the time. And uh, true treasure here in New York. It's my friend Michael Goodwin back with me, Sid Rosenberg, here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Michael, good morning, pal. How are you? Uh, good morning, Sid. Thank you. Nice to have you back. Newt Gingrich, we finally have a president of the United States who runs a criminal family. Is that hyperbole or pretty much the way it is? Well, unfortunately, I think Newt is on the mark. Um, I think he's also on the mark on the bigger picture, which uh, that that there is so much corruption in government. I mean, that list of the uh, unemployment and the and the money that was stolen in New York, uh, the controller found eleven billion dollar B billion with a B missing uh, from the uh, from the covid era payouts. Uh, So it, it was happening across the country. And there's just the country's awash in government money. Of course, the government is going broke on this, but it's just funneled money out the door as fast as it could during COVID with little oversight. And 
But as for the Bidens, yeah, I think they've been at it for many years. Uh, you look back at uh, Hunter Biden and uh, when when Joe was vice president, especially wherever Joe went, Hunter went and he made money. Uh, I mean, I still think it, it boggles the mind in 2013 Joe Biden was going on a state visit to China uh, on Air Force Two, and Hunter Biden flew with him. And Hunter Biden came back with a deal of $1.5 billion, with a B, investment in his uh, financial fund from a Chinese bank, of course, close to both the Communist Party and the government. There's no real difference between the two. And Joe Biden, yet to this day, insists he has never discussed his son's business with him. Well, we know that's a lie because we've got a taped recording on the voicemail where Biden says, I saw the New York Times column, you look to be golden, you're going to be okay. So we've got voice uh, from Biden that says that's a lie. But I'm not sure if you caught my good friend Chuck Todd with Ron Johnson, Michael, on Sunday. Uh, Chuck was trying to make the argument that, hey, if you're upset with Hunter Biden, then you better be upset with Jared Kushner. Is he kidding? No, unfortunately, he's not. Uh, This is the Democratic answer now, that uh, whatever Biden did, it, the Trumps did it worse or more, um, which which just has the whole thing backwards. Uh, the Bidens have no business outside of selling influence. That is the entirety of their business model. Hunter Biden, I mean, who do we think is buying his art for 50 and 75? <laughs> I mean, come on, right? This whole idea that it's anonymous, it may be anonymous to the to the newspapers and the radios, but it's certainly not anonymous to the Biden family. They have to know who's buying that that stuff for large amounts of money. Otherwise, why buy it? Yeah. If, yeah, if the yeah. president doesn't know what you've just done for his son, <laughs> why would you do it? That's a good point. There's a large contention of people, before we get to the specifics, about this document story, which gets worse for Biden every day. More locations, more boxes. But there's a large contention of people who think this is the Democrats who actually let this out because they want him out more than Republicans do. What do you think about that? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's the sort of stuff that makes you say, wow, what a conspiracy-minded country we've become. You know, the idea that the Democrats are planting the document <laughs> and, and that Adam Schiff is finally happy that uh, Joe Biden will be kicked out. Yeah. Look, I, I, I think we can say that a lot of Democrats probably do not want Joe Biden to be their their party's nominee in 24 they they think they look at his age they look at the the unpopularity of his policies and say look we we were lucky in 22 i don't think we can uh, reprint the luck for 24 um but the idea that they would then go and plant these documents i i, I think it, at heart it, it's almost an idea that the Bidens couldn't be this corrupt no. or couldn't be this stupid. Well, well I'm not saying but that. In the, fact, uh, they are. Right, but, but we, I'm not saying they would plant the documents. What I'm saying is there are people out there that think Michael Goodwin that they're the ones to alert people about the documents, that he had them. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I still don't buy it because it, it, it glosses over who Joe Biden is. I mean, that's the thing, that it—, it while it makes him look foolish 
and makes him look weak. It diverts from the reality of the Biden crime family. And I think that's where the focus rightly is right now, that it's nobody else. This is the Bidens. This is the way they operate. You know, there's a whole thing from the Elliot Ness movie, The Chicago Way, right? (laughs) Uh, This is the Biden way. I mean, they've always played around the edges. They've always taken advantage of Joe Biden's position. I think if we go back, we're going to find it started well before he became vice president. I think this this was Hunter's M.O. I mean, Hunter has never had a job that I can see that wasn't somehow related to his father. Going way back when he was working for the banks in Delaware, all the banks are headquartered in Delaware. You think the Bidens didn't milk the banks? Uh, I mean, that's where Hunter got his jobs. It's always been thus with the Bidens. Michael Goodwin, uh, the last column you wrote, end of an error of shielding the Bidens as classified document scandal puts Joe's presidency in peril. Two things. You do a really good job here of explaining how initially Democrats tried to make an argument that what Biden did wasn't as bad as Trump. But, but, but more days, more documents, more locations. Uh Uh-oh, it may be worse. A second question is presidency in peril. Do you believe that's going to be the case from this specific story? I do. I think that the uh, Republicans taking the House, it was not a small event. And particularly with uh, uh, Comer from Kentucky and the Oversight Committee and Jim Jordan and Judiciary, I think that these investigations are going to produce a lot of bombshell days when it's going to become just so obvious that the Bidens uh, are, are corrupt in the personal sense, but that the government itself has been corrupted by this use of law enforcement to spy on Americans, and that Joe Biden was fine with that for many, many years. I mean, I th- what, what we know already from Twitter we, uh, with the FBI and actually paying Twitter to censor Americans and the FBI and all these different aid, the alphabet soup agencies telling them what to do, Twitter doing it sometimes reluctantly, sometimes eagerly, I think will be replicated with Facebook, with Google. Uh, I think that even search results we're going to see were compromised by government interference. And so I think that this is a New development in our society, the technology and the government raced to corrupt it and control it. Uh, in, in, this was not bipartisan. This was a very partisan thing to do. I mean, just look at Adam Schiff, that he felt emboldened. How did, how did he come to know <laughs> that he could contact Twitter yep. and they would do what he wanted to do? Who told him that? Right. Somebody in the Democratic Party said, go ahead. Call Twitter, tell them what you want them to do, and they'll do it because we all do it. I mean, who ever heard of such a thing? But this is back remnant of this, reminiscent of the 70s, the church committee that found the IRS, the FBI, and the CIA spying on Americans. Now we know that all of those same agencies and others were using big tech to do the spying. Mike, on the way out, uh, Donald Trump, of course, running He's already gone through this. He's still going through the Mar-a-Lago documents, obviously. We all know this is a win for Donald Trump now that Joe Biden is embroiled in the same mess. But is it a win? Is Donald Trump's bigger problem Ron DeSantis 
or the Democrat in 2024? Well, um, his first problem is certainly the Justice Department. Um, I, I think I still think there's a desire to indict him. Uh, you have not only the document issue, which I think has been nullified by Joe Biden's own problems, um, but I think the, uh, the special counsel was still looking at January 6th and the events leading up to that. Many Democrats, of course, want him prosecuted for that, including Joe Biden. Um, so he's not out of the woods on that. There's also this case in Georgia, a state case, uh, a grand jury, uh, presumably has been trying or wants the prosecutor there wants to indict Donald Trump for his actions in Georgia in 2020. So I think he's got all those problems, but I, I still think even despite those problems, he's, he's an important power within the Republican party. Now, Look, I do think that power is has maxed out. I think it's beginning to shrink. It's beginning to decline. I've likened it to a, a melting ice cube. It's still important, but it's less important today than it was yesterday. I think some of that is going on with Donald Trump, but it, it's too early to count him out. I mean, even if he were to get 25, 30 percent of the Republican Party, that might be enough uh, starting out the primary system to carry him through. I mean, don't forget, that's how he did it the last time. He wasn't winning big majorities in these states. He was winning the plurality in a, in a big field. And if, if that happens again, then he could end up the nominee again. But I do think he will not be able to persuade the swing, state, the swing voters in swing states. That's what we've seen so far with his nominees, uh, like Herschel Walker, like Kari Lake, like others uh, who, who should have won Blake Masters. Dr. Oz. Uh, Dr. Oz, right. Yep. I mean, yep. Matt, you know, that, that kind of candidate, uh, J.D. Vance won in Ohio by something like seven points. The Ohio governor Republican running without Trump's endorsement won by more than 25 points. So even in a, what's now a red state primarily, Trump's pool is limited. It's less than the home staters. So it, that's a hard profile under which you become president of the United States. Well, Mike, it is great to have you back. What a great conversation. You know, I think the world of you, your writing of the New York Post is great. You're great on radio, TV as well. Thanks for hopping on today. Let's do this again very soon, buddy. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you, Sid. You got it, pal. There he is, Michael Goodwin. He's great. He really is great. New York Post. Thanks for hopping on, Michael. That wraps up our number three. We'll talk economy with another great man. There's a tremendous show on this station every weekend and very, very close to the aforementioned Donald Trump. One Larry Kudlow will also play Sid's take coming up next hour. Stay tuned for the fourth and final hour of another great Tuesday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning, only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm -hmm. What flavor are you holding? 
Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Hall of Famer Mark Knopfler in Dire Straits. We'll play the audio of Howard Stern talking about me and Bill O'Reilly this morning, later on in today's program. Tom Brady, what's next? Blown out by Dallas. Most people think he's not going to retire. He's got $500 million waiting to be an analyst at Fox, but most people think he's just going to play again. I've heard the Raiders, because Derek Carr is out of there. I've heard the Pats. Even though him and Belichick don't get along, Kraft still wants him. What did you say, Bill? Tennessee? Why? Because Rabel is a uh, former Patriot. Their coach. I think you just have a good setup for him to, to flourish there. Is Tannehill done? Is that over there? Yeah, it might as well be. Yeah, that means no. All right. I mean, you think he's going to play, though, for sure, Brady? I never said that. Or, well, give me an answer then now. No. God, you're such a dick today. I mean, I love you, but you're such a... What's the matter with you? Did you not sleep last night or something? Are you drunk? What's the matter? I don't know. Same old, you know. Yeah, same old deal, yeah. That sucks. Yeah. So um, this story is out there. Treasury Secretary, U.S. to reach debt ceiling on Thursday. I got to say this. I hang around a lot of smart people, including Bernard, God rest his soul. But when it comes to the economy, smart people sound very stupid. They have no idea what's going on. The average person has no idea what the debt ceiling is, what can happen, There's only a few people who are brilliant enough in this world to discuss these types of things. And we've got the best one of all right here, Saturday morning from 10 to 1, and on Fox Business, 4 and 7 p.m. daily. He's the extraordinary Larry Kudlow. Larry, welcome back. Sitting friends in the morning. How are you, buddy? I'm great, Sid. Happy New Year. I'll never live up to all that, but I appreciate your saying that. Well, it's true. The average person, you know, you talk economics and numbers and math, they get terrified. Now, I realize that if they don't come to some type of agreement come Thursday, that I've heard that, um, well, it could be extraordinary measures to avoid default. So like Denzel Washington said in the movie Philadelphia, Larry, Speak to me like I'm a first grader and tell me what the hell is going on here. <laughs> By the way, you know, Brady may have to play indefinitely because he lost all his money in crypto. Oh, that's that. right. That's right. Yes. Plus, I mean, whatever, no. plus whatever Giselle took from him, too. Who knows? Right. What you right. I know. No, right. I know. Uh, Giselle Munchkin. I don't know how much uh, he lost, but it's, a, it's hundreds of millions of dollars, apparently. Yeah. So yep. just. When you guys debate that, think about that. Anyway, uh, the debt ceiling, um, which tells you how much the U.S. government can borrow to pay its bills, to make it as simple as possible, uh, does formally run out on Thursday. The number is 
31.4 trillion dollars trillion <laughs> with a t it's an unimaginable number i understand that uh but um people shouldn't fret because the treasury department has a lot of spare cash clinging clanging around the government through various internal retirement funds that are all in surplus so the rubber doesn't meet the road probably sit until june or July. Okay, that's when there's issues about how much spare cash the government will have to pay its bills. Um, at which point, I might say, it's not as dire as it sounds, because tax revenues that the government takes in are roughly $4 trillion, which is much, much, much higher than the interest expense on the bonds that they sell. So it, it, these are hype, you know, political hype in Washington. But there's going to be a big budget fight. Republicans uh, who now run the House uh, are going to want to cut spending, as they should, uh, in order to keep us from double-digit inflation and a deep economic recession, which unfortunately already threatens. And um, they're going to fight. This is the key point. They're going to fight to stop any increases in the debt limit. Okay, no more borrowing, they're going to say. No more borrowing until and unless you cut spending. Right. They're going to produce a budget. It'll be a tough budget. And uh, they'll fight with the Democratic Senate, and they'll fight with Biden. Um, and we'll see what happens here. There's a way out of this. I mean, what... I think what they want, and I'm just speculating here, but they're going to want something like for every dollar increase in borrowing, that's the debt limit, for every each dollar they borrow more, okay, they will want to cut spending by $3. Hmm. So it's like three to one. This was done back in 2011, and it's done in the past. Uh, several times. And by the way, it's worked. Okay. And they're going to try to create spending caps on uh, what's called discretionary, not Social Security or Medicare, but pretty much everything else. Spending caps. And if you if you breach those spending caps, like they do every year, um, then you have an across the board automatic cut in spending. And this, too, was done many times in the past effectively. Okay, it works. It actually works if you do it. The trouble is we've had spending caps uh, going back to 2011, 10 years. And in the last four or five years, they get waived. You know, they push them aside. They say, we don't care. We're going to keep on spending. And this omnibus spending bill that passed a week or two ago, $1.7 trillion, uh, once again, they waived the spending caps. If they had used the caps, you would have had about $150 billion spending cut, but they waived it. And unfortunately, the Republican Senate was complicit in this yeah. yep. uh, they scheme were. against the taxpayer. They so were. I'm just saying um, the debt story sounds worse than it probably is. We don't have to worry about it too much until the summer. Okay. But the key, the key point with all these big numbers floating around, Stop this spending. 
because the more you spend, the higher the inflation rate goes. Right. And the higher the inflation rate goes, the more middle class, blue collar families get completely screwed. Right. And this All thing right. w- was up by like nine percent. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It's closer now to six and a half percent. That speaks to less spending as of late. Which which is six and a half percent? Is that where inflation is uh, is falling oh, to at yeah. this point? Right now, it's about six and a half percent. Right. It's actually somewhat slower in the last few months. But you know. Last year, I mean last year, for, for fiscal 23, um, which is the year we're in right now. Anyway, the omnibus bill, here, I'll put it to you this way. The omnibus bill increased spending by $134 billion over 2022. And the estimates are for 10 years, $655 billion. Okay, so that's more or less a 10% increase. Okay, that's higher than inflation, higher than economic growth, higher than uh, Tom Brady's salary. No, that's a joke. <laughs> but I'm just saying the numbers, you know, there's, in other words, there's, it's like your family budget. All you do is go out and spend on stuff. You don't have to worry about paying for it. You don't have to worry about your income. You can, you know, it, it's as though you can borrow anything you want in order to pay for anything you spend on. Now, families can't do that. Uncle Sam can. And um, the Republicans who now run the House are going to try to and they're going to try to stop that. Got it. So, Larry, every time this is a great Larry Kudlow, four and seven every day on Fox Business. And of course, that great four. Oh, just four. Okay. Just four. It's actually four. It's actually four p.m. and then the next morning five a.m. Oh, good. Okay, four p.m. and five a.m. and of course ten to one on Saturdays. So every time I see Joe Biden talking about the economy, he always paints a, a pretty rosy picture. And then I'll bring on you or Monica Crowley or even in Santa, and, and they'll say, well, well, well. Uh, where is the economy right now? Is the recession still looming? Is there a reason to believe the economy is improving? What's the real truth on the economy? Well, Biden yesterday called Republicans. He said they have fiscal dementia. Right. <laughs> in his speech to Al Sharpton's group. Yeah. Fiscal dementia. Now, if I were Joe Biden, I, I wouldn't be calling anybody dementia. But right. <laughs> uh, that's just me. All right. <laughs> I, I don't think I'd want to go there. Yeah. That's that's it. And that's not a good word for him. <laughs> so his speechwriters may want to change that. Um, are we going into recession? Uh, I'd say it's 50-50. I'd say the risks are very high um, because we had super high inflation. And even though that's coming down, the Federal Reserve has tightened the monetary screws. Uh, It takes about a year for that to hit the economy. So you're kind of the warning zone is, frankly, right now or, you know, the first half of this year. Uh, Majority of economists think there's a recession. I'm going to tell you, I'm not a thousand percent sure. All right, I, I I think the economy will probably slow down, Sid. But I'm looking at one thing that's a little contrary. The stock market has been rallying since mid-October, and that wouldn't happen if the country was going into a deep recession of some kind. So I'm kind of interested in how stocks do. In the next couple of weeks or the next month, it's a good leading indicator. But other leading indicators have recession written all over them. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the Treasury market, 
short-term rates are way above long-term rates. That's called an inverted yield curve. Three-month Treasury bills, I don't know, about 4.5%. 10-year Treasury bonds, about 3.5%. So when the curve inverts like that, it's like standing interest rates on their head. That's a recession signal. The money supply, the M2 money supply, has been crashing for a year from like plus 30 to zero. So that's uh, it's disinflation, but it's also a recession signal. <laughs> and various indexes of leading indicators um, are also been plunging pretty steadily. You know, I was reading. So, uh, yeah, that's so it does look that problems. way. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tricky thing. And yeah. That's why I say it's about 50-50. All right. I'll take 50-50. I was reading uh, Cindy Adams' column today, Larry, our mutual friend, and it reads, Madoff's scam on demand. Now, we just went through the Sam Bankman-Fried deal, which was really uh, astounding what this guy ended up, uh, the money he made. And now Netflix has the movie out based on the book about uh, Bernie Madoff. We yeah. seem to have these things happen uh, every couple of years where somebody finds a way to convince people to 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 give up a lot of their their money the bankman free thing was that for you about as bad as it got yeah it's pretty bad um it's, it's sort of hard to know which is worse. I, I think you know they're both crooks uh and they're both knowing crooks that is from day one they knew they were making crooked actions and were screwing people who invested with them. They knew that from day one, okay? Um, I think I think I think Madoff and his scam, and I did read Cindy's column, I, I think his scam was probably worse. I think it affected more people. Uh, I'm not sure because I've never seen any numbers on this Bankman Freed punk. Uh, what his thing is all about. We don't we don't know everything yet yeah. from from that punk. But uh, Madoff was a crook from day one, and Cindy kind of describes that in a column in her usual pithy way. Uh, but I think he I think he hurt more people. Uh, but I'm, again, I'm not sure. Look, I I want to say you know when you're dealing with finance, and you're dealing with markets. Now, Madoff was a stock market scam. Uh, this punk bankman freed uh, was a crypt, crypto scam, okay? Um, I want to say most people, the vast majority of people, especially in the stock market, whether they're banks or dealers or brokers, are honest, are honest. Just like I, I truly believe in my heart and, and my brain that most Americans are honest, yeah. okay? Yeah. But you get these crooks come down the road and you have these gargantuan scandals and they cause people to lose, you know, in the yeah. aggregate billions of dollars. Uh, and it's bad and it's front page as it should be. And they need to be punished and so forth. But I do think, you know, people listening to this should really think, believe that the stock market is an honest place. It is an honest place. It's been around for a couple hundred years. It's got guardrails. It's got regulations. Um, maybe too many regulations in some case. But the point is, it's honest. And most Americans should invest a portion, a large portion, of their savings 
uh, in the stock market. They should buy the uh, S&P 500 index. Don't speculate. You're not a hedge fund. And the market itself uh, tends to beat all of the hedge fund guys. So you just keep adding to your position, and you hold it for 40 or 50 years till retirement. It's the best advice I can give you. My professor at Princeton years and years ago, Bert Malkiel, who's actually still kicking around, he wrote that book, A Random Walk on Wall Street. University of Pennsylvania professor Jeremy Siegel uh, wrote the famous book, Stocks for the Long Run. It's the best performing asset. Uh, And most, really, the vast, vast, vast majority of people uh, who are brokers or dealers or bankers um, who handle your money uh, are honest. They're on, but you should buy index funds. Don't try to outguess the market. Don't try to be a genius. Don't day trade the market. That's where you get into trouble. And by the way, when you buy a product, for heaven's sakes, check it out. And if the product is based in the Bahamas, <laughs> don't do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Bahamas may be a lovely place. Right. Okay? I'm, I'm not. I don't want to demean the Bahamas. Right. I, I, but don't do it. Right. All right. Go there for vacation. Yes. Go there for vacation, not a hedge fund or a, a crypto fund. That is a very sound advice. And this is why Larry Kudlow, whether it's Fox Business or Saturday mornings here on Talk Radio 77, WABC demands a huge audience. Larry, thank you for coming back on. I love you. This was a great conversation. Please do it again very, very quickly. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right, Sid. Take care. Take care. The great Larry Kudlow, folks. 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. every Saturday, 4 p.m. daily on Fox Business. Thank you, Larry. Still to come, Sid's take. Get to compete against me in a big game today, 1-800-848-9222. And why would Howard Stern mention Sid Rosenberg earlier this morning? You're about to find out. Keep it right here. Is sit in friends in the morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Well, look, my wife has a rule in our family. On somebody's birthday, sing happy birthday. You ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Valley. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, was the president yesterday. One night in Bangkok, trying to sing happy birthday to Tanya Jackson. And it didn't go all that well. <laughs> now, then it got worse later because then he tried... Well, I guess he tried to say her name, which is, once again, Katani Brown-Jackson. And just a complete mess. Number Those nine. Those are the words of Kajan, Kajan, Katanji no, no, Brown-Jackson. No. Oh, boy, that's not going to work. Our Supreme Court oh. Justice. Right, right. <laughs> Kajana Carter, maybe? I mean, it just got worse. That's going to take 
a couple of years yeah. for me for, to get that to get old. <laughs> well, That's not going to get old. For me for Michael Goodwin on the show this morning said Biden is done anyway, that uh, the presidency is in peril because of the document situation. I don't know if that's true. But um, nevertheless, <laughs> that's your president, folks. That's the guy you voted in because you hate Donald Trump so much. And I get it. Trump could be a jerk off. I get it. Trust me. I know him for years. And I say that at the risk of blowing his appearance, which seems to be blown anyway. I mean, Takapina's at Mar-a-Lago with Trump. is hiring him, you know. Two days last week, and they're having dinner, and Takapina's texting me. I'm at the Harbor Lights in Rockaway before I move out of Rockaway again. And uh, Trump is saying nice things about me, very nice things. And Takapina's going, Mr. President, you got to understand. I know you love Sean Hannity. In New York, nobody listens to Sean Hannity. Nobody. And I love Sean. Greg Kelly? Nah, very few. There's one guy in New York in this genre that people listen to in big numbers. One, 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 one. Me, Sid Rosenberg. You got to go on his show. Trump's like, okay, I'll do it. No problem. I like Sid. Tell uh, Steve over there. Steve's fantastic. And tell uh, Boris to make sure we set this up. This is last Tuesday night. It was a done deal. I got one text back from his comms director on Friday, Steve. And uh, it's supposed to happen Thursday. And as of right now, I've heard nothing. So. It may not happen. Who knows? But I, I get it. I know. I know what Trump can be. But you voted this guy in this this dinosaur. Whether you're apathetic or I, I can't stand him. I'm. 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 It's not apathy for me. I've told this a million times. It's disdain. I can't stand the guy. He's. He's a liar. He's evil. He's corrupt. His whole family. They disgust me, and I refuse to just use senility and or dementia. As an excuse, I just want to. That's a lot of malarkey. What's that? That's a lot of malarkey. Be quiet, old man. Jack. I sit down with our NATO allies and keep them together. I don't have them saying, wait a minute, how old are you? What do you want to say? You want to repeat that? I sit down with our NATO allies and keep them together. I don't have them saying, wait a minute, how old are you? What do you want to say? I personally think this is a very good time to sing happy birthday to Katani Brown Jackson, Mr. President. You ready to do that? Go ahead, take it away. Are you good at this? I know. Well, look, my wife has a rule. I know your family. wife. Yeah. When somebody's birthday, sing happy birthday. You ready? Oh, that's nice. Happy birthday yeah. to you. How's this going? Happy good. birthday to, to you. Here's a, here's a happy birthday, <laughs> dear Valerie. <laughs> What's that? Happy birthday <laughs> to yeah. you. Wow. So, uh, Bill O'Reilly was on last Thursday. It just happened to be that Thursday. Rush Limbaugh and Howard Stern's birthdays. Same day. You talk about two sides of the spectrum. So I asked Bill O'Reilly, who is, of course, a, uh, a media, no, he's just a, a Hall of Famer, you know, about Rush and Howard. And Rush, of course, he said very nice things about. And then Howard, he said some nice things about, some not so nice things. But I knew once O'Reilly and I got into the Howard Stern discussion that if I got the audio to Gary Delabate, a.k.a. Baba Booey, that they would play it. And once again, my instincts, as they've been for 20 years in this business, nobody better. I don't care who you're talking about. Once again, I was on the money. Don't forget, last Thursday, Howard wasn't on. He's not on Thursday and Friday. He wasn't on yesterday. First day back, they get the audio, boom, they play it. So this. 
Bill O'Reilly and Howard Stern seem to have a different recollection of events, especially in college at Boston. So this is courtesy of the Howard Stern Show just this morning, about two hours ago on Sirius XM, talking about Bill O'Reilly on Sid and Friends in the Morning. The corniest one I always hear is uh, Bill O'Reilly. He doesn't know what to say about me. I mean, oh, here's really? a guy. He's talking. You know, he, he was talking. He was on <laughs> Sid. I don't listen to these shows. My guys do. And they report to me. Bill O'Reilly, who now broadcasts, I think, out of his garage somewhere in hiding, was on Sid and Friends in the Morning on (laughs) WABC. It's a morning show on WABC. Oh, I didn't know. And he started in again about how he knew me at Boston University, which is just a total lie. Why do you? even come up you're not friends with him you don't know him Why i don't is he know talking the guy about him, you i don't i don't know and then he and then he took the opportunity to sort of put me down but he didn't even do a good job of that like he was trying to put me down and he goes howard stern's uh, uh the, the people pay for his show now so the he you know he's now it's the real like i think i don't even know here i'll play it for you i don't even know okay, what he's saying i'm not even I, sure he put I me down can't even imagine why your name comes up when he's but, being interviewed. But I get annoyed. It's like, shut up. Don't you, don't you just want to go away, dude? Didn't you just lose your whole gig uh, for really bad reasons? <laughs> don't you have any shame? Here's Sid Rosenberg and Bill O'Reilly discussing me. Also celebrating a birthday today from your neck of the woods in Long Island. On the flip side, Howard Stern. I went to school with him at Boston U. Did you know that? <laughs> no, no one knows that. I don't even know that. He went to Boston University. I attended that. But Did I have you go no... to school with everybody who went to Boston University? Yeah. He, re- he read somewhere that I went to Boston University and now has a, some made-up story about us seeing he, he used to watch me and I was a big gawky guy and you know whatever. It's such a lie. Oh, that's it? That's where they ended it? Okay, because he goes on to play more. O'Reilly's like, yeah, you know, and Howard uh, used to walk down the halls at Boston University, and all you can see was his afro, and Howard's like, I didn't even have an afro. I wore my hair straight back then. So Howard was basically saying that uh, Bill was uh, Santos, the conversation with me. And (laughs) Robin's like, sitting friends in the morning. What's that? (laughs) I mean, as if Robin doesn't know me. You know, I've had, I don't know how many conversations with Robin Quivers. I've been on that show four times, hosted Whack Pack Bowling. But I guess she didn't put the two and two together, Sid and WABC. But regardless, that was the Howard Stern take. You know, for years, for years, Howard has been all over Bill O'Reilly. Because Bill's been saying for years, we went to Boston U together. And Howard's always like, nope, no, we didn't. So there was another opportunity to Stern to tell us that wasn't the case. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Now, it's time for Sid's Take. Sid's Take! Sid's Take, yeah! 
Good luck. It's Sid's Take. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. All right, here we go. Getting after it a little uh, earlier than usual here. 940. You okay? 945. All right. On your Tuesday morning. Had to drag it on there a couple seconds, Lewis. It was still 944 and 56 seconds. <sighs> so. Now it's officially 945, and uh, it is time. I'm Justin Alec here for the SIDS Take game. Again, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Pavilion Tankless Water. You just got to go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. And uh, fun fact of the day, they are America's best-built boilers. Our contestant for today, Richie, he's out in Brooklyn. What's going on, Rich? Good morning, Justin. How are you? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Uh, hanging in there. Yeah, no, I feel you, man. The week's just dragging along. Dragging along. We'll get there eventually, though. One day closer to Friday. So we got two for Tuesday today, Richie. Uh, I'm going to name uh, five different questions are going to consist, I should say, of uh, two songs, two song titles, and you're going to tell me the artist of which uh, made those songs, okay? We'll give it a shot. All Here right. we go. Here we go. Number one, your two songs are Light My Fire and Riders on the Storm. That would be the doors. Hey, spectacular. Very good. One for one. Number two, your two songs are Immigrant Song and Whole Lot of Love. That would be Led Zeppelin. Oh, he's on fire. Number three, Richie's two for two. Your two songs on number three are Everlong and Best of You. Oh, Richie. Give it to me, Rich. Oh. me. I stumped him. Don't be discouraged, Rich. You're not a loser. Not just yet. Two for three. Your correct answer on number three would be the Foo Fighters. On to number four. Your two songs are There Is a Light That Never Goes Out and This Charming Man. Don't know. Oh, my God. Two for four, Rich. Let's try and end on a high note here. Number five. Your two songs are <laughs> Jesus yeah. walks. Jesus walks and black skinhead. I'm a loser. <laughs> loser. Oh, why did I even try? Uh, you actually probably shouldn't have gotten that last one, no, Richie. It good. would have been a bad look for you because the correct answer there would have been Kanye West. So let's um, ouch. yeah, ouch, right? Yeah, you can blame Phil for that. He's he wrote the game. Yeah. Conniving. Yeah. Phil's still a Kanye West fan. He still listens to him every day. He Might told before me. Before the Oklahoma City play. Yeah. He listens to Kanye West on his way to work. All right. Uh, I feel sorry for him. Yeah, me too. Don't We all do, Rich. Believe me. We'll keep you on hold here. <laughs> we'll keep you on, keep get, you on hold here you, for a couple you'll minutes. You'll get over that. Yeah. No. Uh, are you ready to go? What are we talking Hello, about? Hello. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Hello. I got a text from John Katsimatidis. So. What, uh, what did the boss man say? You're fired. Oh, my God. What does that mean for us? Imagine a standalone AM station that ranks in the top ten in a major market dominated by large conglomerates oh, with multiple FMs, a talk outlet owned by a billionaire businessman from radio as a hobby who hosts his own show and gets its power broker pals to come on the air. A station that airs an improbable patch quilt of block programming on weekends and boasts a talent lineup that ranges... From Rudy Giuliani to Cousin Brucey, from Sid Rosenberg and Larry Kudlow to Tony Orlando. 
Mm-hmm. This is an inside radio today, and uh, they're paying homage to us. Well, we don't have to imagine it because uh, it exists. It exists. Here's a nice picture of John Katzmatidis and Chad Lopez. So, uh, once again, congratulations. It mentions Curtis and Joan Hamburg and Anthony Weiner. Mm. And um, yep. everybody but you, actually. Uh, everybody but me, right? Yeah, you're not yeah. in here. There's wow. no. They seem to have forgot about uh, even <sighs> Dominic Carter is here and Frank yeah. Morato. I mean, they listen. I think even Frankie Russo's in here, right? People, well, people that are no longer yeah. here. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations to John and Margot Katsimatidis for um, an all kidding aside for just putting together this absolute masterpiece. Are you ready to play the game? I am, yes. Okay. Because the show's almost over. It's not almost over. We have 10 minutes. How many did the, uh, the contestant get right today? He went two for five. All right. So you need three to win today's game. All right, let's go. Here we go. Number one, your two songs are Light My Fire and Riders on the Storm. Oh, come on the doors. Oh, come on. One for you one. Know, I actually thought that uh, Val Kilmer's performance as Jim Morrison was great. My wife didn't like it. She wanted Jason Patrick. Okay. But I thought Val was great. Well, your wife is probably right. Don't, don't, don't start sucking up to Danielle. It's not going to matter. She, she's not a big fan of yours. <laughs> what? Who Cut said it out. No, she happens to like you very much. It's Phil she doesn't like. Oh, right. Well, she doesn't even that? know Phil. That's par for the course. Why does she not like me? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, why? All no. of a sudden, you care. Why? Yeah. why if Danielle like likes you, you care. You don't care if I like you, if Gabe likes you, but oh, the hot wife, she better like me. I never said I cared. I just want to know why. Oh, okay. No, she happens to like everybody. Mm. Yeah. No one likes everybody. That's a lie. She hates everybody. Danielle that's that's more like yeah, it. Yeah, I know. You're right. <laughs> Let's go. All right, number two, your two songs <laughs> are. Including me. Yeah. <laughs> Immigrants, <laughs> Immigrant Song and Whole Lot of Love. Immigrant song? Yeah, and whole lot of love. Can you sing whole lot of love for me, please? No. Just oh, please. I, I I don't know the words. A couple of bars. Immigrant love and a whole lot of love. Song. Immigrant. Yeah, that's um I'm gonna go with Elton John. Uh-huh. How would I punch in a face of a teenager? What was it? One for two, Led Zeppelin. Oh, Zepp. Mm. I wasn't a, a very big Led Zeppelin fan, but I think mm. you noticed that. I liked um, Robert Plant better when he's with the Honey Drippers. It's an acquired taste, some might say. <laughs> <laughs> Your two songs on number three honey are... Honey Drippers. That was not an acquired taste. Thanks, Phil. Everlong and Best of You. Oh, come on, baby. Now you know I love this group. Foo Fighters. All right, two for three. You need one more to win today's game. Your two songs on number four. There is a light that never goes out, and this charming man... There is a light that never goes out. Mm-hmm. How good would Jim Kerr do in this game? Uh, I'd say he'd do as well as you're doing right now. Nah, he'd get everyone right. All mm, of them right. I don't know. About what about this. what about um, the late great Scott Muni? How would he do? I'm trying to follow in your footsteps, uh, Sydney. <laughs> That's very who, good. Who knows how he'd do? That's he'd good just, though. That's good. Be, though. If he put his put the bourbon down, he'd be fine. Well, he was one of the greats. <laughs> uh, my answer to that: uh, What are the two songs again? <laughs> there, there is a light that never goes out, and this charming man, Debbie Boone. Mm. <laughs> your correct answer, loser, is the Smiths. Oh, I should know that, Jim Morrissey. Mm. Just Morrissey, actually. It's not even yeah, Jim, not Morrissey. Jim Morrissey. All right, yeah. you need this one to win the game. Do you even care? Damn, I should have. See, I know, like, how soon is now. And right. oh, If only that was one of the... <laughs> the last one you'll get for sure. You're a big fan. Yes. All right, here we go. Your two songs on number five. Jesus Walks and Black Skinhead. <laughs> hey, wait, I'm a big fan of this band? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say. I think... I'm pretty sure. It's clearly Depeche Mode. 
No. Who was it? Kanye West. I hate Kanye West. <laughs> what? <laughs> do you? Yes, I do. Why should I, I say that on air? I don't even feel badly for him. I hate him. Yeah, well, we, we, we never talked about this. I think you? we actually did a full week on how much I don't you hate Kanye West. Hmm. That was a good game. Who wrote the game today? Phil wrote the game. Phil, you're doing good with this. Phil Bob Brown wrote it. I mean, has anybody, has Matt Meany or Chad, has somebody congratulated you on, on doing this? No. No. Well, I'm going to tell him no I wrote surprise. the game anyway. So. Uh, yeah, and it's not going to be cheating if you wrote it. And it's not All a right. knock against Phil, but it's it's a pretty easy task. Oh, that is a knock against Phil. Oh. No. Sorry. <laughs> I mean. Well, then you write it. I don't want to do it. Okay. Well, what's tomorrow's game, Phil? Uh, White People Wednesday. White People <laughs> Wednesday? I don't know. Only white people? Is that, is that What racist? is a Wednesday game? That's Why? racist, no. no? I don't know. Because we don't have a day of the week that has the, the letter B for black people for the alliteration. So, mm. so we need to change the days. <laughs> yeah. Now we'll come, we'll come up with something new. All right. Well, good we job out of Richie in uh, Brooklyn. Uh, we played to a 2-2 tie. We'll come back and wrap things up right after this. Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Kanye West gets it. Entertaining and informative. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Friends, I got another confession to make. Best of you, great song, Goo Goo Dolls, wrong, stupid. God, Foo Fighters. Congratulations again to John Katz and Matidis on this column. Radio Inc., big deal about our radio station. Special thanks to Jill Weinberg, who dropped off some playground activewear for me and my wife moments ago. I don't know who she is, but she left it with Sarah, so thank you for that. And, what? Um, what? what? I don't know, this? some lady dropped off a, uh, a gift for me and my beautiful wife, so. Okay. I have a lot of fans out there. I, was, I, I don't I know who she is. I wasn't debating that. I just wanted to know what... There's, there's what a box in there. It's got my name on it and Danielle's name on it. And Justin has it. And okay. It says activewear or something. I don't know. Okay. Probably, we, a garter belt. Probably a garter belt and a pair of handcuffs. No. Hey, Phil, what do you think of today's show? <laughs> Speaking of Phil's bag, actually. Why? Did you like today's well, show? Uh, <laughs> who cares? I mean, have you been sleeping like all morning? He... He's doing some kind of medication. Yeah, there's something, something weird about you. I'm yeah. practicing witchcraft. You want to go to Rudy Giuliani's house with me Saturday and watch a Giants game? Rudy specifically said I'm not allowed to go. He That's pointed true. at me. Said but I can talk. I can talk apartment. him into it. Do you want to go? Uh, yeah. He's watching a Pistons game at that Sunday. No. Uh, well, Phil, thanks for your effort today. Well, there wasn't much of it, but <laughs> I won't even say you're welcome because I don't feel like it. But you wrote the game today. That was true. I did a lot. Can I say this to you with all sincerity? Yeah. I, I love you. That's the show, everyone. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Lou Rubino, Justin Alec, Noam Layton, nice job out there today. We'll all be back, God willing, at 6 a.m. on a Wednesday morning. It's a beautiful day in New York City, folks. Go enjoy your Tuesday until tomorrow at 6. Come on. Peace. Come on. Come on. If you have-
had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabulaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabu Law, where winning is no accident.